And good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Good to be back. Thank you to uh, KZ and Stan the Fan, as well as Griffin, for helping out last week. As I was uh, on vacation at the beach, now we're in um, full-on pennant race mode. Nose to the grindstone. Give 110%, whatever other nonsense you want to say. But uh, it's good to be back, and uh, obviously it's good to talk about what was a very pleasant night at the ballpark for the Orioles as they uh, scored seven runs in the first inning en route to winning the series and the season series against the Yankees, which is relevant for a lot of reasons, but mostly because the Orioles made it very clear over the course of the last 10 days or so just how important they believe the division game specifically to be. And I guess the tiebreakers, when you think about that, but the way that they use their pitchers made it abundantly clear just how important they thought these games were. And that worked out for them as the Orioles end up getting the first tiebreaker. And they're in good shape. The only, like, the Red Sox one is pretty up in the air with a lot of games still in hand. I want to say there's still two series to be played between the Orioles and the Red Sox. But they only need, I think, two more wins against the Blue Jays in order to clinch that. Hang on a second. I I saw this floating around last night. Somebody shared it. Hang on a second. Uh, It was my friend Mike Ramikis from Stevenson University who shared it. That's who it was. Um, Orioles have a 6-3 lead in the season series over the Rays. They have four games to play. They need to win one of them in order to clinch that. Okay. They have a 5-1 lead over the Blue Jays. They have seven games left. They need to win two of those seven in order to clinch that. And it's 3-3 against the Red Sox. So with seven left, they need to win four of those in order to clinch that tiebreaker against Boston. So they already have one. They're in great shape in two. They think it matters a lot. You could tell that by how they were using their pitchers over the course of the last 10 games. Not just the fact they didn't put... Felix Batista in last Tuesday night, but like how they were willing to let Kyle Bradish try to work through things last Wednesday, whereas they gave no such leeway to Tyler Wells on Saturday night. And I get it, Kyle Bradish has been better than Tyler Wells of late, but still, they gave no leeway to Tyler Wells. Even Kramer last night. I mean, they he gave was up some there. I mean, he leeway up there, to, but, to, right, yeah. to Dean yeah. Kramer, but yeah, I mean, they. They certainly were not going to allow him to blow a, a seven-run seven lead. Yeah. That wasn't going to happen. They I, were saw n- that. I saw that move coming early. I saw them pulling him uh, out. I mean, I think a lot of us were yeah. starting to wonder if it was, if he, like, for example, was he going to go back out there for the fifth inning yeah. at that point? And that's yeah. disappointing, and it adds yeah. to the problems, and it adds to, obviously, the greater conversation that exists at this point. Why is why am I so low because of my headphones or because of me? Which one is it? You tell uh, me. It, it, I think it's you the headphones. T- the headphones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's get the let's get those up because I am uh, I don't know what's going on there, but that's okay. Life will go on. Better, definitely better. Can't still can't tell exactly what the issue is, but we'll rock with it. Um, I, the the games themselves feel secondary in a way. Of course, last night didn't because it was the Yankees and Sunday night baseball and the whole thing. But the games themselves kind of, in a way, feel secondary to the bigger story, which is, of course, tomorrow's trade deadline and the fact that while moves aplenty are occurring throughout baseball, the Orioles, so far, have not been involved. 
I mean, obviously, besides acquiring Fujinami a couple weeks ago. So far, the Orioles have been linked to a couple of guys. We've seen reports about the Orioles with Michael Lorenzen. We've seen reports about the Orioles and uh, Jordan Montgomery before he got dealt. Dylan Carlson from the Cardinals. That. that one popped up from uh, Derek Gold of the uh, the Post-Dispatch. But again, even in that story, it was like they're not singularly eyeing Dylan Carlson. That was like if they could work out a deal for a pitcher, they'd also like Dylan Carlson. And Mike Elias, of course, said on Friday that the priority would be pitching, which, you know, makes sense given their needs. I think a lot of us have said it's not like we're opposed to a bat. We're just not really sure where there would be a spot for a bat right now. I, again, Carlson playing in center field, like, okay in, until when? Until, yeah, until Hicks or Mullins comes back. I, I, I'm not enamored with Hicks anymore. All I right. mean, like, I appreciate the fact that, that Aaron Hicks – vastly outperformed any of our reasonable expectations for him, but he's, d- despite, and I, God, I I need to make it abund- abundantly clear. I love our friend Stan the Fan Charles. I love him. But Stan eternally doing the bit where, like, the numbers can't be right. I have to be right. I trust my eyes. Aaron Hicks is not a good defensive center fielder. Nope. It's not, this is not a, well, I don't think he's a butcher, that we have the numbers. He's not a good defensive center fielder. And his bat has retreated back to a point where I'm, I don't need Aaron Hicks. In fact, I would argue that if you have to play someone in center field, I would rather it not be Aaron Hicks. I would rather you just play Austin Hayes in center field. We can have a conversation about Colton Cowson. I don't know what's going to end up playing out with that. I do think that at some point, either he's going to have to start producing or he can't just be trotted out there because we like Colton Cowser. And I don't know what that line is. But if the Orioles want to be in the mix for Dylan Carlson, all good. I would probably prefer him to Aaron Hicks. Probably. I'd have to think about it more. But, I, and I, I haven't even looked at Dylan Carlson's. You know what? This is on me. I should have looked at Dylan Carlson's defensive metrics. Uh, Dylan Carlson is, hang on a second. Currently, yeah, 79, uh, 79th percent now it's above average. Which is wildly better than Aaron Hicks. Like, wildly. So, yeah. Just one error. Great fielding percentage. Yeah, like I mean, it, then, uh, it, it, you just it's, said it's hard to, you know, judge really outfielders yeah. by errors. I, that's, I, I haven't seen him enough that's yet tough. To, to judge what is, but I, I believe you, what you're But you're, you're comparing someone who's a 79th percenter to a 30th percenter yes. in Aaron Hicks. Lord. But he's got a good arm. Drastically better. Drastically better i will take that yeah the year i mean i guess that's fair aaron hicks by the way it's the only it's funny because aaron hicks arm percentage is uh 95th and that's the only thing right he is well i guess it's walker's arm it's weird it's really weird um so yeah i i i'm not i'm not opposed i'm i'm not gonna say no but again i'd have to know more of the details of what it would cost to get dylan carlson it would assume again the way that the story was written suggested that it was only if they would pair him with the pitcher. Well, it's not going to be Jordan Montgomery, nope. and it's not going to be Hicks. So Steven Matz? Maybe. Uh, I know that yeah. Jack Flaherty's name has been thrown around a lot, and like that would make some sense. So I'd need to see what the package would be for a combo of Flaherty and Carlson. I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to much of anything right. at this point. 
I've even allowed, like, Bob Nightingale yesterday talked me into Justin Verlander being a good idea. Like, son of a bitch. They soak up a lot of the money. Like, you at least have not only next year, but there's a vesting option for the year after that. And every time we want to say, well, Justin Verlander's about to fall off a cliff because he's over 40 now. Like, in the last month and maybe two months, his numbers have been outstanding again. Piss. It's Justin Verlander. Yeah. He's from Virginia. Maybe he would want to be back in the area. Maybe he would be enamored with the idea of trying to carry the Orioles. He knows how to pitch in World Series now. God! It's not going to happen. I don't know why I'm allowing myself to have these conversations, but I'm talking myself into the idea that I, it would be great. I still won't give up on the, the Padres conversation. I refuse oh, yeah. to. I mean, Josh Hader would be... Well, it's Josh Hader. Yeah. It's Josh Hader and Blake Snell. It's still Josh Hader and even Seth Lugo, I would take. Like, yeah. I, I like any of these scenarios. But again, at a, at a certain price, right? Like, I... I struggle. I was talking about this yesterday with um, my buddy uh, Eric Arditi, and I said, "What, what, what if if it was Snell and Hater, and they're both rentals? What's the high end of what you would give up?" And we're like, would you, "Would you give up?" I, yeah, I, I, I feel like one I, him or Chris I, I would would have I, to. Well, I don't, no. but I would you do it? And that's the tough part right. because it's the conversation that we keep coming back to. You don't want to, but. We keep coming back to Mike Elias's comments on Friday and how we can all make whatever wanking motion we want to make whenever he says, well, unless the world's going to end in November, I've got to be thinking about the next couple of years. And we, it's easy for us all to say, dude, this you've got a chance. Like, go for it. My friend Alan McCallum, longtime uh, Orioles reporter on radio in this area before uh, he moved on to the music field, Alan was posting on Facebook the other day and he made the point that like I just don't think the Orioles can trade their way into World Series contention and I've talked about that a good bit this season like I don't know that any one move now you're at the point where like well hell you've got the best record in the American League why not give it a shot but I still would say that I'm probably in in agreement that I don't think you can reasonably trade your way into feeling very good about your chances of winning the World Series. Like, don't get me wrong. If you added Snell and Hayter, I mean, you'd believe it possible. But what you've seen over the course of the last week is a reminder of we have no idea what's going on with Tyler Wells. Dean Kramer can always be bad Dean Kramer. Your best starter was at his worst the last time out. Grayson Rodriguez was brilliant, but God, he's, you know, are you counting on that? And he's got an innings issue. Mm-hmm. Wells, of course, has an innings issue that they're trying to deal with, and they sent him back down the buoy where, you know, innings still count when yeah. you throw him at double A, so you still have to figure out. It, like, we, they, every, th- this is all so vague. Like, when you say, well, he needs to reset or whatever. Is that, are they gonna, what's the plan? Yeah. What? Not, that, that's not an answer. Another deloading is. It's not what well, deloading they did it with DL Hall, but they did it not even in an affiliate. Yeah. Like they did it somewhere else where it was hidden under the cloak of night. <laughs> I have no idea what DL Hall is. Um, I I don't know what the plan is for Tyler Wells, and they're being vague in their responses about it. They they're just sort of when you say words like reset, that doesn't mean something. Like if you if he pitches innings, those innings still count. It's not like an innings limit is only a major league innings limit. An innings limit is to avoid taxing an arm. 
And so if he's down there to start at Bowie, that helps nothing. He's I, mean, I, I guess unless he's, he's just going on his rotation, then unless he's just going for two innings or something, right? right? Yeah. Which is possible, yeah. I guess, right? Like if you're trying to get to that point, but I would need to know specifically What's what it is that on. he's doing, and they're not answering that, or or maybe the question wasn't asked the right way. I don't know. Um, I'm not trying to get too worked up about any of these things. Uh, no, you have a point. Uh, somebody says that uh, there's some other something else playing on YouTube. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Why don't you uh, double check on that? That we might have uh, some sort of audio issue related to uh, uh, YouTube. Maybe even on the audio broadcast as well. Not sure what that might be, but let's see if we can't get to the bottom of that and uh, figure that out and solve that problem. And our sincerest apologies if that is the case. Anyway, um, we'll see. We'll see how these next four twenty-four plus hours play out. Don't have the answers, obviously. Don't have any answers. I'm not going to get too worked up about the possibility of there not being a significant move made. It's non-zero. I would still, like if we were doing a trade-a-meter... I would put the trade meter at a this tradometer. point. Tradometer, yes. I would put the trade meter at something like 57%. That I still think the Orioles will make a move of some significance. And I was trying to set the barometer for that of like Fujinami or uh, above Fujinami. Like something above more significant than Fujinami. Who, for what it's worth, as it turns it's, out, yeah. looks like he's been Hasn't a significant been bad, acquisition. Yeah. I'd be surprised, but certainly not stunned. Because I do think that what Mike Elias said on Friday is real, is genuine. I think that what Mike Elias said is what the Orioles are dealing with. While other teams are in better position, say the Texas Rangers, who now have, what, a nine-man starting rotation? Yeah. All they have is pitching. And they just got more yesterday. Yes, that's that was what I was saying. Thank yeah. you, Grant. That was the point. Maybe we'll start a new segment. Grant explains the joke. Um, I, 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 they spent a whole boatload of money, and so they kind of have to do it now. They don't really have a lot of choices here. They'll also argue. That whatever it is they lose at the trade deadline, they're capable of replenishing. They can spend their way into replacing anyone they lose in a deal. So, who's the guy they gave up in the um, the Scherzer trade? Acuna, the other Acuna, right? Louise Angel. Yes, right. So, oh, Hall of Famer John Smoltz will join Thanks. us later. Love me some John Smoltz. He saw the bad game this weekend. Yeah. He saw the one we didn't like. He's the best. Um, but they can say, look, that's a bummer. I mean, he's a major prospect. He was a major prospect for them. But in their world, they can go out next offseason whenever they thought he was going to be here, and they can spend to make up for whatever they had lost in Acuna. The Orioles, unfortunately, at the moment, we have no reason to believe that they'll do that. 
Now, you can say they should, and I hear you, and I don't disagree with you. But Mike Elias can't force the issues. Him and John Angelo's palling around in the box last night and hanging out together on ESPN does not force the idea that all of a sudden John Angelos is going to say, all right, go ahead and trade uh, Koei Mayo because we're going to go out and get you a, a middle-of-the-order bat if whatever it is that you do doesn't work out this season. I don't know if Mike Elias has any reason to believe that the Orioles are going to give him the carte blanche to sign players to make up for what they lose. So when he says, "I unless this the world's going to end, I got to think about it, he's right. He's right. He does. And there is a fine line. There is somewhere between you have the opportunity, go, go take it, versus you do have a lot of warts. For as good as the team is, there are a lot of reasons to think you're probably not going to be able to get over the hump of winning a World Series, and the pitching is overwhelmingly number one on that list, and I don't know that you can reasonably trade your way into fixing that problem. And if you can't do that, then the argument is, is it worth giving up anything at all? And I don't have that answer. I think most of us will be disappointed. I had an entire conversation on the radio show yesterday. What if they don't do anything? And there was agreement that disappointment mm-hmm. would reign. Some, you know, hey, I trust them. I trust Elias. And I, I, I think that they've got a plan and the whole thing. But I do think there'd be disappointment if the answer is nothing. Yeah. If the answer is nothing, there would be real disappointment. And it would also reflect a, a bigger total issue, which is, how are you taking advantage of like it's a, we are all on board with what they've done in order to turn things around but how do you now take advantage of it to go win a world series and you're not seeing any extensions and there's still the whole lease thing and now you add into it no acquisitions at the deadline and there's going to be a fan base that's going to say what the f unquestionably like if we if we do this show on Wednesday after there's nothing at the deadline that happens there's going to be consternation abound. Since all this has been discu- has been in discussion for months now, and you're right, there will be a lot of disappointment. If nothing's done. I, I don't, I don't think that that means that they have the obligation. I don't think that it means that you just make a trade for the sake of appeasing a fan base. But it's all relevant. It all matters in context, and it will be fascinating to see how the next 24-plus hours play out. It is the easiest thing in the world to do to look at other trades that have been made and to say, well, the Orioles could have done that. Mm -hmm. And I think that in a lot of circumstances, the answer from the Orioles would be, yeah, we could have. There's a reason why we chose not to. And do you read into that and say, well, that means they're not going to get any deal done? No, I'm not ready to do that yet, but it's always a possibility. It's always been in the cards they could. You know, some teams, like we thought the Angels would be sellers. They've decided not to be. In fact, they've gone the other way. They've decided to buy. We thought the Cubs might be sellers. They've decided not to be. They, I don't know where they were. They, <laughs> yesterday, they were three and a half games out. I don't remember what yeah, happened I mean, yesterday. they're back above 500, I think. Yeah. And then All of a sudden, right they're, now, they're out. They are, yeah, three and a half back, 53 um, and 52. You know, I, it's not certain whether the Padres are going to be sellers or not. 
you know, nobody saw them playing as well as they did against the Rangers over the weekend. And so there are questions about whether or not at this point they're going to sell or they're going to choose to go for it. And all of these things, you know, these are where the issues come in. It's difficult enough for the Orioles to have to make these decisions about what they're willing to give up when it seems unlikely they're going to win a World Series. Now add in, there's fewer teams that are willing to sell, and it makes everybody's prices go up. There's an inflation cost. Not easy. Not easy. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right. Orioles win the series against the Yankees. Now they go about trying to, as we mentioned earlier, clinch that season series against the Blue Jays, who they have won five of six games against so far this season. They've got seven left. They need to win two of them in order to clinch the series against the Blue Jays. They play four this week in Toronto every time the Orioles play the Blue Jays. It's an excuse for us to catch up with an old friend. He is a noted impressionist, noted drummer, and a hell of a catcher and good guy. Blue Jays, a broadcaster, Caleb Joseph. Back with us now here on GCR. Caleb, it's Glenn. It's great to catch up, brother. Thank you for taking the time as always. Yeah, you got it. Too kind. You hey got man, it. You're a good dude. You know that. You've always been one of our favorites. <laughs> hey, um, you know, this is fun, right? Like, this is the type of thing that you could ask for. We're getting to August, and you get a hell of a series between two good teams, a lot of implications. Like, this is kind of what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I- I was telling somebody a couple days ago, it, I, I'm just so impressed with where the Orioles are at. Um, you see the Rays have a bit of a fall off, and of course they're still a good team, right? But I mean, the Orioles, they just have not had that sort of dip at all. And I was talking to uh, Jim Palmer last night, actually on the telephone, just gathering a little bit more information about the team. And I think he threw out a stat 62 consecutive series, I think is what he said. 62 consecutive series that the Baltimore Orioles have not I've been swept. swept. Yep. I mean, that is unbelievable. So, Blue Jays are right there, too. It's going to be a fun series. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. This will be, uh, be really fun baseball. Caleb, I believe I saw this weekend. It's the longest streak since World War II of having not been swept. And I don't, I don't know exactly what it means, right? Because like, you don't hang a banner... Like, the Orioles aren't going to go up the next year and put a banner that said didn't get swept last year, but it sure, sure as hell means something. We know that much. Um, let, let, me, let me start with a couple of things with you. One, um, we, we saw the move that the Blue Jays already made at the deadline. Are they done, or is there more that could still happen between now and tomorrow? Yeah, I, I think they're really interested in trying to find a right-handed bench bat, somebody that can come off the bench, and give a nice pinch hit late in the game with some authority, some pop, or even just a right-handed bat in general that they could kind of stick in the middle of the lineup. That's kind of been something they've been missing for a while is just a little bit more thump or sock in the middle of the lineup. And to be honest with you, I was hoping that old friend Nelson Cruz would be mm. kind of that guy. Mm. Um, 
he would fit perfectly in my opinion, but he's been, uh, he's been free for a while now and they have not, they have not signed him, but I do think that they're, they're looking for a right-handed bench bat uh, to supplement the kind of left-handed bat that they have coming off the bench a little bit. Um, but they're, they're in a pretty good spot uh, in terms of just, there's no real super pressing need. If they didn't get that right-handed bat, they would, they would be fine, I think, um, which is, is pretty unbelievable. I, I thought two or three two or three months ago, I thought, man, they're, they're going to need to make two or three different moves to, to really have a chance. And some guys have really stepped up, started playing their A game, and some pitchers have done really well. And their, their, their need list uh, is, is, is pretty short. Their wish list might be a little bit longer, but their actual need list is, is pretty short. I, wanna, I wanted to kind of touch on that because specifically with the pitching, and we'll, we'll come back to Ryu, who we're going to see this week, but the other three guys that are going this week, Kikuchi, Bassett, Gosman, they're all obviously been very good this season. You now add Hicks to a bullpen that already had Romano at the back end. Like, it starts to look on paper pretty scary. And I get it. They're still five and a half games behind the Orioles. But when you try to build the profile of a World Series winner, it seems like capable offense, quality starting pitching, and high level guys at the back end of the bullpen. You start to really kind of put into focus and say the the Blue Jays are checking a lot of these boxes. Absolutely, that's that's one of the biggest things that people here in Toronto have been kind of screaming about is solidifying one or two more pieces out of that bullpen. And you know, I'll be honest with you, the addition of Eric Swanson really set a lot of people in place in terms of not having to put guys in the eighth inning that probably shouldn't be in the eighth inning. And that trade, Teoscar Hernandez for Eric Swanson, I was, I was not sure about that because it's really hard to replace veteran runs batted in, power in the middle of the lineup. It's hard to replace that. Those guys just don't grow on trees. And they went out and traded Teoscar Hernandez for Eric Swanson. And, and that trade really, really has paid off in terms of solidifying a little bit of that bullpen. Now you add Jordan Hicks and that's what people have been talking about is they need a no brainer eighth inning guy. Well, now you've got Romano and Hicks. Romano obviously is, is on the aisle, but a word is it's, it's not, it's not going to be too, too long after, after the the regular stint, he's just a little bit, a little bit banged up and they want to make sure that that he's nice and, and good to go for the, for the, final push there but you're talking about two eighth inning guys and it like you said it looks just like what teams do when they're really going for it and it's it's got the look it's got the profile now it's just about can they actually put a six week eight week string together where they play all facets of their game clicking because they're gonna have all the pieces all the pieces are there now it's can the players get out there and play eight weeks of really really solid baseball and i'm 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 with you. If they do, I honestly believe that they they could potentially catch the Orioles in the race. So let's let's come back to that. Caleb Joseph is with us because I I feel like, and we're gonna see Ryu this week. I feel like it becomes like almost a major swing in this conversation, particularly with the total unknown that it feels like Manoa still is. And you can tell me if I'm wrong about that, but it feels like it's still very much a crapshoot as to what you're gonna be getting out of him every time out. If Ryu comes back 
and I get it. He's coming back from Tommy John surgery, but you know, Caleb, it, it's it saying that isn't quite what it was saying that 20 years ago. Um, if he looks anything like Hyunjin Ryu from a few years ago, it feels like that's a major swing towards the possibility of the Blue Jays being a major threat to win the American League. Correct? I would agree. I would totally agree. I I, I agree on what you said. Uh, with Manoa as well, in that it's 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 uh it's a bit hard to trust, but at the same time he's going out there and he's he's competitively giving them a chance. That's something that before he was sent down you couldn't say. Um, but you get like you said, you get Ryu back, and oh man, now you've now you've got an, another addition to some starting pitching that is has been very very good. I mean, very underrated part of this team is the starting pitching and what Chris Bassett has done, what Jose Barrios has done. Good grief. I mean, we know Jose Barrios is a good big name pitcher. I mean, goodness, he's a hundred million dollar player yet. He was so awful last year for the blue Jays. It's easy to kind of think of him as like a four or five guy when, I mean, he was number one guy on the Minnesota twins when I was facing him, mm-hmm. but the starting pitching on this team has been, has been a very underrated part of their success. Now you add in a veteran lefty uh, to kind of compliment Kikuchi as well. You, you're going to give yourself a chance to win just about every night. And with this offense, um, the ability to break out, score some runs, the fact that they play such solid defense, if they have a chance with the starting pitching, they typically figure it out with the hitting and they don't beat themselves on defense. So like you said, you got to love your chances. And, and I've been saying this for months now, everybody in Toronto has been wondering what is wrong with this team. There's nothing wrong with the team. They just haven't hit their stride. And I wonder if they're really starting to feel that in the addition of Ryu, the addition of Hicks, if this team gets hot and hits their stride, they really could get scary because they have a lot of talent on this roster. There's no question. Uh, there's look, it's it's overwhelming almost. It, are they the bigger threat to the Orioles than the Rays are? I mean, I I don't want to be dismissive of the Rays, but the trend has been you know not great, and we all know they're they're not getting the starting pitching back. Like these guys are done for the year, and the Rays are not likely to be the team that's going to go out and try to make up for it at the deadline. At this point, do you think it's possible the Blue Jays are the bigger threat to the Orioles in the AL East? If it was me, I would say yes. Yeah. And I'm a bit partial because obviously sure, I, you work I'm, there. I get I'm it. Working for them, now. <laughs> right, right. I'm working for them, and uh, I get to see them just about every day. So, just knowing what they have, and obviously the Rays are scary because any given night one of their starters can throw what seems like a seven inning shutout, and they get a weird first and third stolen base, caught stealing, run down from a Rosa Arena. You know, like so they they just find ways to win games oddly. Sometimes, and I would say by far the biggest threat is is Toronto. I just I feel like for reasons that I just said, they still have not even really hit their stride. And if they do, it's it could get scary because of all the pieces, the bullpen, the starting pitching, the lineup is you add you add a right-handed bat in there off the bench. I personally wanted to add Bellinger. Um, I. Obviously, I don't think he's gonna he's gonna be dealt now that the Cubs have decided to go for it. But I thought they needed a left-handed bat, an additional left-handed bat. But where they're at, the way they play defense, yes, 
I, I truly believe that the, the Jays are, are the bigger threat. All right, so now on the flip side, h- how have the Orioles continued doing this? Because the thing I just said about the Blue Jays and their pitching, we're kind of in the exact opposite spot where we don't know. You know, Kyle Bradish has been an, uh, he's been such a stud this season, it's hard to describe. But Tyler right. Wells has got to go back down because he's not looked right since the All-Star break. And, you know, Kyle Gibson's been hit and miss, and Dean Kramer's been hit and miss. How do you explain the Orioles holding up through all of this when they don't have the same on-paper answers that the Blue Jays have had this season? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. I if I had the exact answer, I would I would bottle it up and I would yeah. I would sell it to the Rays. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's been impressive because you look you you just you look up and down their roster and. You talk about a guy like Adam Frazier. I feel like a guy like Adam Frazier, a guy like James McCann, you mentioned Gibson. They brought in some of these really high-quality veterans that have been through the ringer, that have played in some playoff games, that have kind of been through ups and downs of seasons. And, you know, a lot of the clubhouse, because most of those players are still, they're still younger in their major league development. You know, veteran for me was 10 years or plus. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, uh, the the veteran of, of two and a half years. No, like, no, 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 no. Like, this league is very difficult. And you can have a lot of things figured out or think figured out. And by your second or third year, it turns on you and you've never dealt with failure. And that's another big thing that I don't think a lot of people understand is with so many youngsters coming up, a lot of them. They, they haven't failed yet. This is what we saw with Alec Manoa. They haven't, they haven't failed at the major league level yet. So you have no idea how to uh, deal with that. It's totally different. Um, but you put in some guys like Frazier, McCann, Gibson, these, these really, and these are guys I personally know, sure. very, very high quality, high quality major league, major league guys that have been around. And it just levels the ship. It just never keeps it from going too far up and too far down. They, they don't let the room uh, get too high or too low. And that's so important for, for a team that's really getting after it. And I think, look, I think Hyde's done a great job. I mean, he's found a way to kind of uh, us against the world. And honestly, it's what we did when I was there, 14, 14 15, 16, you know, it was really competitive teams. It was kind of us against the world. Like, nobody's picking us. Why not us? Let's go get it. And it worked. And uh, they got a chip on their shoulder. And, you know, a lot of things have gone right in terms of they've, 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 looks like to me like they've they've struck gold on on a couple of really key free agent signings like Frazier and he's been phenomenal for the team this year and um you know their prospects coming up really good so they're 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 exciting they're going to get even better that's what's a little bit scary for me is like this team isn't even rounded out they're going to get even better as uh, as the year and next year uh, rolls in Nice to get Cedric Mullins back on the field too, man. He really is the straw that sure. serves the drink here. And by the way, you know, to the point about those guys, Ryan O'Hearn has been. I mean, it's, it's oh yeah, great name. It's it's absurd, right? Like it's just genuinely absurd. I, let let me wrap with this, if I could, Caleb. What the mentality now for this team surrounding the deadline, right? Like they've done all of this work. What is it like now in a clubhouse? Are are you feeling a bit of? hey, could you do us a solid and add us a little bit of help? Or are you feeling more of a, hey, I kind of don't want to see one of my buddies 
end up not being on the team next week because you went out and got somebody. This thing is kind of special here. Maybe let us roll it out. What What is like the mentality like for baseball players as you're in a position like this? Obviously, the, the Andrew Miller thing worked out swimmingly back in 2014, right? One of the right. – it couldn't have gone any better. Clearly, Eduardo Rodriguez ended up being really good, but Jesus – was Andrew Miller good for that team? Like, what what does it feel like in these days right now inside a clubhouse? Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's like uh, two or three days before Christmas. You have your wish list. You know kind of what you want. You have a feeling you might get it, but you're not 100% sure until it actually happens, right? And when it happens, you're either super excited, you're kind of meh right in the middle, or you're disappointed. So, uh that's how it feels like as a player. You you have certain desires, and sometimes it's met, sometimes it's not. I'll take you back to 2021. My last year in uniform with the Seattle Mariners, they were one game out of making a wild card spot at the deadline. They traded Kendall Graveman to the Houston Astros, and he was our best reliever. And guys were absolutely livid because we went from going for yeah. one game out to, quote, and guys were throwing stuff in the clubhouse. It was a big deal. We had to have a meeting. It was, I mean, it was unbelievable how uh, angry guys were. And then flip side, like you just said, Andrew Miller, 14, that was kind of the push we needed. Shot in the arm that was like, man, they are in, we're in, let's go. I think that they know internally, like the guys kind of have a sense of what they need. They probably need some bullpen help. They could probably use... Um, another starter, uh, just depth, guy that can come in. I, yeah, they know what they need, and I, I think there are some really close-knit guys in there. But if it means getting um, a, a pretty decently high-profile starter to come in and kind of push push you over the edge and just kind of keep nudging it towards the finish line and then adding a bullpen arm maybe or two if possible, I think guys would, would – would be good with that. And I think that's what they're kind of looking for, looking at. You just you can't have enough pitching depth at this time no because after, obviously after the trade deadline, you have injuries you're, and you have nothing underneath, you're, you're screwed. There's just no other way to acquire. So that's always where contending teams are looking at. And it's going to be interesting to me to see how Elias attacks it. I just, I just don't see him giving up any bit of the future for – this year, I, I just, even though I think he should really consider it because you just never know. Right. Like you just right. never know. This like, could be your best chance. Whenever, sure. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, yeah. Like, does it look good? Absolutely. Does the future look bright? Absolutely. Would I bet on it? Absolutely. But you just never know. Like, I, I thought we were in a really amazing window, too, in 14. And we, the best we had after yep. that was a wild card game yep. like we had the same team like we had Manny we had Scopey we had all these guys like under team control and anyways but it'll be interesting to see I don't think he's going to do very much I think he might add some sort of like B minus guy to the bullpen and that might be about it uh, to be fair the last B minus guy you got in Fujinami has worked out really well for him so I maybe yeah. maybe it's worth letting him have more B minus guys because they tend to there find something there uh, Caleb Joseph, brother, it's always great to hear your voice, man. Uh, look forward to. I, did I did I hear a rumor that you might be headed down this way for uh, the next series? Is that possible? Oh man, I would love to. It's uh, we're we're 
we're trying to talk about some stuff here and there, but yeah, I would. Uh, that would um, be awesome. Oh, that'd be cool. I would. Lo- I'd love to make it back to Berlin, but uh, I'll be on the radio for this series. Excellent. So if you get bored, tune into uh, tune into the radio. It's gonna be a fun one, man. It's gonna be a heck of a four days. Always appreciate you, brother. Thanks for hopping on this morning. We really, really, yep, it means you the got world. It. Caleb Joseph, I uh, love that dude, and uh, appreciate him taking the time for us this morning. I agree with him. I. I am coming around. Like, on paper, the Blue Jays are absolutely the bigger threat than the Rays at the moment, which doesn't take anything away from what the Orioles did against the Rays. But this week is key as well because the Blue Jays check just about every box. Again, I'm saying it on paper, and it hasn't, as Caleb Joseph pointed out, all clicked at any point this season. But on paper, they've got everything look at who you're facing in four games this week i read the names and we don't know exactly what ryu is going to be coming back but it's a damn good set of four pitchers to be thrown out there moving towards the playoffs scary even they end up solidifying the back end of their bullpen it, it would behoove the orioles to not invite the Blue Jays back into this race. It would behoove them to just go ahead, at least get a split in Toronto, keep the distance, and not give them... Like, they win three out of four this week. All of a sudden, they're back in this race. They wake up, they're three and a half games out. They feel like they're very much in it. It would behoove the Orioles to not let that become the case because on paper, they are dangerous as hell. All right, uh, when we come back in, we will talk more about the Orioles side of things and what they should do. Our buddy Steve Johnson, former Orioles pitcher, will join us. And uh, also, John Smoltz is going to join us as well. So a lot to do as we continue on here on a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Hike to new heights. The best view is yours in Washington County. Our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the mid-Atlantic. Some are very easy walks, some can be driven to, and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike. All are near quaint small towns that offer great dining, shopping, hiking gear, and more. Explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views. Visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay unforgettable. Learn more at visithagerstown.com. Maryland, be open. Hey, O's fans, on Saturday, August 5th, when the O's take on the New York Mets at 7.05, celebrate the 40th anniversary of the 1983 World Series by being one of the first 20,000 fans, 15 and over, to receive an Eddie Murray 1983 World Series bobblehead presented by Royal Farms. Come out to honor this World Series championship team and arrive early for Early Bird Saturdays when gates open two hours early with happy hour, live music, and more. Get your tickets today at Orioles.com slash tickets. Soak up summertime fun in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouth-watering eats, and endless entertainment. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an EasyPass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com. We'll keep you moving. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. 
Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland thing. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one Gambler. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food? Check. Quality of service? Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. So you just heard Caleb Joseph singing the praises of one Adam Frazier. And wouldn't you know that our friends at Birdland Sports, last night after Adam Frazier hit the home run, I was on Twitter and I'm like, ah, let me poke the bear a little bit. And Josh Stroka thought it was such a good idea that he actually got the shirt made and available before midnight last night. It is available now at BirdlandSports.com. The Frazier t-shirt, which of course is a playoff of Frazier, the television show starring Kelsey Grammer, just switching out the S for the Z. You see the font. You see the skyline. They switch New York for Baltimore. I think I have to. I'm gonna have to get that one for my mom. She's a big Frazier. big Frazier fan. She's a big Frazier fan. Which Frazier is she a fan of? The show or the player? The 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 show. Okay. So I am. Uh, I, I was made aware last night on Twitter that apparently the 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 young ladies in the area are fans of Adam Frazier. Oh, they are. Okay. They find him to be easy on the eyes. <laughs> I was not aware of that. I did not know that. Um. It's available right now, birdlandsports.com. Go get your Frasier T-shirt. It's pretty great. And, uh, yeah, Josh and I were working on that one last night. And you can go get it right now at Birdland Sports. Let's talk a little more Orioles. Our buddy Steve Johnson, former Orioles pitcher. Also, the young ladies always say he's very easy on the eyes. That's what they're constantly saying about our friend Steve Johnson, who's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, brother? How are you? I'm good. Hey, man, um... I, I so let me let me say it this way, I the Orioles are are a game and a half up in first place in the AL East. This is so beyond like anything that you could have ever possibly imagined for this baseball team, and yet it feels like this fan base is still on edge related to the trade deadline and what may or may not happen over the course of the next twenty four plus hours. How much does it matter to you, like what the Orioles do in terms of their ability? to make a run, to hold on and win the East, how important is it to you that they do something to add in some sort of pitching help between now and tomorrow afternoon? 
I, I think it's it's important. I, I don't know if they're going to um, make the huge splash that I think everyone wants, um, but I, I think they definitely need to shore up that uh, um, that rotation. Just just get somebody in there who um, who's maybe just maybe a little bit more of a veteran. Maybe can can roll them into uh, you know in the end of the season, um, in the postseason, and, and kind of just maybe take it easy on some of the guys. A lot of those guys are, are uh, coming up on uh, their innings limits. Not not that there's yeah. an actual limit, but uh, you know just career high in terms of what they're doing. So down the stretch, you just might want to put one of those uh, starters in the bullpen. Someone like Wells maybe coming back up and and just kind of getting some relief appearance, kind of shore up that middle uh, middle relief spot, but. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's important to at least do something. I just don't know if it's the the big splash everyone wants. I think it might be a little a little early for that. I think they might wait for for uh, next year um, for like go full in. So you're telling me that I shouldn't go ahead and get my like personalized uh, Blake Snell and Josh Hader jerseys ready for tomorrow. That's what you're saying. It's probably not going to be that because God, that would be awesome if it were to no. work out that way. Um. Hi. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, normally I think when you're about to unload a, a ton of prospects, I think you're going for more of a controllable starter, yeah. controllable yeah, guy yeah. who's going to yeah. be there yeah. when they only have a month and a half left. Yeah, um, sometimes that, 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 uh, you know, the, the number game at the, at the end of the deadline and they start to kind of, you know, get a little nervous and, and maybe the value drops for what they're asking for. No, there's no question about it. And I understand that entirely. Steve, you, you brought up Tyler Wells. I'm wondering if you could sort of take me inside this psyche. I think we all have seen that same thing that, you know, he's coming up on a career high in innings and the home run issue kind of never went away, um, continued to be an issue. And, and now it's kind of worsened because he's putting runners on base and giving up home runs. Is it definitive that like this is the end of the line as a starter this season? Could he go down, work a couple of two inning appearances, and still make starts before the year is over? Just you know, get some confidence back, whatever. Or is the best plan now have him work out of the bullpen moving forward? Somebody else is your fifth starter, whether that's somebody that you acquire this week or whether it's Cole Irvin uh, moving back into that role. But it's it's you got to understand that it can't be Wells as a starter moving forward. It's a tough situation just because it's kind of how how he feels, and I, you know, I'm not I'm not sure exactly how he feels or you know why exactly um, the exact reason why he's going and struggling. We can kind of assume that it, it might just be because he's he hasn't gone this far before in a way. Um, but you know maybe a little bit of a break helps maybe throw some shorter stints out of the bullpen. And then maybe if you need a start, a starter, um, for like a, you know, four or five inning start where you can kind of, you know, have the bullpen kind of do it for, for a start down the road, you have that ability or if a starter goes out early, he can cover it. So I think that's probably the best way to do it down the, down the stretch. I mean, there's not much left in the season. So, um, they're just going to try and piece together what they can. I, I think they, the good thing is that they have flexibility in a way. What did you make of Grayson on Friday night? I mean, that was breathtaking, right? Like, this is going up against Garrett Cole and the Yankees on a Friday night after a two-hour rain delay. This is not, hey, it's it's encouraging to see a good start from Grayson Rodriguez. This is the thing that we all thought he might be capable of being. What did you make of it and how he's been different since he's been back at the major league level? I think it was just huge in, in that uh, he was finally able to – to get through a start and kind of, 
he had a couple, uh, you know, good four or five innings and he'd go for the sixth or the, you know, and, and kind of going to lose it a little bit where he, he gave up some runs and, and it kind of is like a, a defeating feeling as a starter where it's like, man, I, I was doing so well. And then, you know, I just couldn't get through that last inning and, you know, it ends up kind of blowing up on you in a way, but I just feel like he's kept the walks down. Uh, he's getting ahead of guys. And, uh, you know, that last outing, you know, against a, a good team, um, or a, a good starter, at least Shoot. at the moment, um, you know, he, he, he did well. And, and, uh, you know, going into take the last three starts, you know, don't look at the full numbers, but you look at how he actually performed and then, uh, you, you get the results, uh, for the last start. I think that's just great for him going into the next couple starts and, and down the stretch here. I mean, dude, I, I don't know. I, maybe it doesn't matter all that much. Like there's some part of me that says it, it feels like there's got to be more value. I don't know how you treated this as a pitcher because you're not facing the opposing starting pitcher, right? We say this all the time whenever somebody talks about like a, a quarterback matchup in the NFL, like, oh, we get Lamar Jackson versus Joe Burrow, and somebody's like, well, hey, you know, they don't, they don't actually go up against each other. Is it as a pitcher? Like, is there something to the fact that it was Cole on Friday night? Does that do something for Grayson, his confidence, his belief, whatever it is, or, or does that not matter in any way? Because you're obviously you're not facing them directly one versus one. Yeah, it's, it, it's, you know, it, it's one of those things where you, you, you are facing them in a way because they're kind of controlling how many runs your, your team's That's able true. to get. That's true. Um, and, and you, you pitch different based on that sometimes. And obviously you kind of know how, um, you know, starters in, in a rotation, they, they build off each other in a way. Um, where someone has a good start and you kind of like roll that into the next game, into the next game. Um, and it's the same way sometimes when you're facing a, a you know, a, a good guy on the other team. Um, whereas you know that they're going to keep the, the, the runs down, the runs low for the most part, or they have the potential to. And, um, you know, you got to be on, on your best, kind of your best stuff. Um, and, and it's kind of going inning to inning. Um, and, and sometimes it, it kind of makes you kind of rise above it in, in a way and, and kind of bring out your best stuff. Dude, I, I thought it was my it blew my mind. I mean, it was I was almost emotional watching that performance on Friday night <laughs> because it was just that in that circumstance in that situation on Mo Gabba night, man. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, you can't ask her a whole lot more than that, dude. It was unbelievable. Um, Steve Johnson is with us here on GCR. Steve, the other side of this, of course, is the bullpen thing, right? Where obviously there's Felix Batista, and Felix Batista is brilliant. But then everybody else has sort of been like, you know, on a certain day. What what they found in Fujinami to me is wild and almost makes me say, hey, look, if all they do at the deadline is another Fujinami type move, I don't know. I'm going to be inclined to believe they might be capable of turning it into something. H- how do you explain this, this kind of throwaway piece that we're all looking at? Like, what, th- look at this guy's ERA. This guy's no good. And yet he steps in and immediately gives you ridiculously quality innings, two more last night. I know you were at the game. How do you explain what the Orioles have done with this and how much faith you can have in them finding another quality bullpen arm that maybe we don't necessarily all see as being a quality bullpen arm? Yeah, I, that's that's one of the reasons why, obviously, they're doing their jobs and, and a lot of other people aren't. Um, just because they're able to see the value in, in someone like that. Obviously, his stuff is, is unreal. Uh, you're throwing 99 to 102 and then have a 94-mile-hour uh, splitter. Um, you, you really can't beat that. But obviously, you know, it's tough to judge somebody on their first appearance with a new team. 
Uh, and then especially going from, you know, a bad team in Oakland to, you know, a first place team at the Orioles. That's, that's a huge thing as well. Sometimes when you're out there kind of pitching for, you know, in a way pitching for nothing, um, you're pitching for your career, but the, the games you're you're constantly losing the mindset's all different. So, you know, coming to an organization, um, that's in first place at the moment, sometimes like, again, brings out the best in you and, um, kind of just makes that, uh, makes that focus just a little bit more. So, um, obviously he's, he, he calmed down after his first, uh, yep. you know, two outings and, um, you're seeing, you know, you don't, you don't know if it's going to continue, but you, you obviously take the good, the, 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 the good outings and, and hopefully he, he rolls it into the, the rest of the season. I mean, um, it's the last two outings have been, to have been electric. I mean, the, the strikeouts are, are, you know, obviously coming and, and, uh, it's just, it's awesome to watch. I mean, we have the bullpen, the back end of the bullpen right now, even though Cano started struggling a little bit, I think he's kind of turned it back on last couple outings and uh you know it's, that's a it's a big three-headed monster right there yeah he looked good again last night there's no doubt about that um steve i mentioned you were there last night like you know you're you're someone who cares right like it's not just that you pitch for this franchise you grew up here you this is in your blood you know like literally in your blood um I, how do you explain seeing that last night and seeing this atmosphere this weekend and the love that this city and this team are experiencing at the moment. I had like this emotional week at the beach last week as my kids are now walking around. They're eight and six, and they're, every day they're like, I want to be Gunner today. I want to be Adley today. And it's really beautiful to me. How do you explain what it means to you to see this, these atmospheres, this fan base, this relationship between the city and the team? You got to experience it as a kid, you got to experience it as a baseball player. What does it mean for you to see it right now? It's it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's frustrating that obviously we, they've had the amount of losing seasons that that they had, and um, you know, kind of see the the fan base kind of start to fall off. And um, obviously, I was a part of a team that that kind of got back to the playoffs yep. after after losing for a while. And so, you know, it was just interesting being a part of that clubhouse, trying to tell guys like this this place is going to get get packed if we just continue winning, um, just because they had never really seen a packed house really before that. I mean, except for a giveaway here or there. Um, and you know, this was, it was for the right reason. So again, you, know, you go through another little losing, you know, spurt where it was, we were losing bad. Um, and, and just to kind of have the excitement back where, you know, people are really looking forward to this fall and it's, and it's not all Ravens. Um, and to have both teams, I mean, even in 2012, you know, the Orioles were, were great, and then the the Ravens ended up winning the Super Bowl in a way. It was just like a, it was just a fun time, and I feel like we also have that excitement back. Where it's like it's not just the Ravens; the Orioles are doing really well, and they're looking like they're going to do really well for a long time. And to have everyone excited, I know the kids I train come in, and we have uh, we we're talking about it constantly. It's just nice to have kids come in and not just be Yankee fans or Red Sox fans, um, just because they, you know, the Orioles have been bad. It's it's they're excited about the Orioles, and and uh, people are starting to come out again, and. Um, it's just good that it's just not, they don't feel like it's just for this year. It's like, this is, they're going to be good for a while. Yep. yep, yeah. Fall uh, fall in love with these guys. It's a great point. You can fall in love with this group of guys right now. Right. Like I'm totally cool with my kids being like, my, my, by the way, my kids are in love with Gunner. I can't explain it. They just love, (laughs) I think it's the name too. Right. Like his name is Gunner. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, I think that works, Right. but it's also watching the way that he plays and everything that he does. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. You know, fall in love with that dude. He's young. Hopefully he's going to be here for a really long time. By all means, be you know treat him the way that I once upon a time treated Cal Ripken, right? Like get on board yeah. and uh, have that love affair. Uh, you mentioned the the guys that you're training. Want to remind everybody? Yeah, uh, optimal baseball performance. 
out in Bel Air. Um, just uh, enjoying training kids and, and trying to get them to to be a little better, have a little more fun out there. Uh, obviously, baseball is a frustrating game, so if we can be a little bit better, have more success, we're gonna we're gonna have more fun. And uh, you know, it, it's been great to, to be able to do this for the last couple of years, and uh, I hope to continue for a long time. You can hit him up at S Johnson eight thirty one on Twitter. You want some more information? Uh, I will be in touch, bud. Appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time. Yep. Have a good one. Steve Johnson, former Orioles pitcher, with us here on GCR after, uh, yeah, he was at uh, the ballpark this weekend uh, for Orioles-Yankees, was there for Sunday Night Baseball. What a special night it was. It's one of those, you know, memories that you'll file away. I, um, I, I, I told the story on Facebook last week, and I'm going to, for example, today I'm not going to have a column up at PressBoxOnline.com. What? Yeah. I'm well I'm gonna wait until after the deadline and oh, I'm gonna okay. write then. Right, that makes sense. Like it just it, it, what am I gonna write about the Orioles today that's still gonna be evergreen forty eight hours from now? Like that's the if you haven't caught on, the reason why I write columns on Monday is I typically try to write about topics and subjects that will have a little life for the course right. of the week. The press box is not necessarily a twenty four hour news cycle um source it's more of a evergreen kind of source and that's why we do more features and things along those lines so last night i actually wrote my print column for the august issue of press box and i wrote about a very personal story that i experienced on my trip to the beach which is that my kids have fallen in love with baseball all of a sudden like my kids who have played soccer and lacrosse and I've never shown any interest in baseball. And it was funny because I was writing the column, and I'm like, and for some reason they weren't into baseball. And then I was like, oh, no, I know why. Because the Orioles weren't good. And their friends weren't into baseball. And their friends weren't into the Orioles. And so nobody was walking around school talking about the Orioles. And it, it just wasn't a thing. And we took them to games. It just wasn't resonating. They didn't fought, have a player that they were falling in love with. Now they're enamored. They're in love I took him to the superhero day and my eight year old when Black Panther was doing a a meet and greet in center field and I was like, Hey, you guys want to go meet Black Panther? He said to me, I'd rather stay here and watch the game. <laughs> He's eight. And I was like, All right, dude. <laughs> By all means. And uh my six year old still wanted to go meet Black Panther and I understood that. Makes sense, yeah. So I went with him, my father stayed with my eight year old and they watched the game and it was it was me- and I'm telling you, every day. I want to be Santander today. I want to be Mullins today. I want to be Felix today. They are in love with the Orioles. They're in love with baseball. Every Last night, they wouldn't go to sleep. Because I started watching the game, and then we told them it was bedtime, and the Orioles were you know, scoring seven runs in the first inning, and they, were, they, were, they kept yelling up to me, Dad, what's happening in the game? They wouldn't go to sleep. So I finally said, all right, come on, come on, come upstairs. You're going to watch the game with me. It's quiet. Don't let mom find out. It's the summer. I mean, what the hell? You come just on. went to tell Dean Kramer's blowing it. Yeah, right. No, I, didn't, I definitely didn't do that. <laughs> They're in love. And when we got to the beach last week, they, they asked me to go um, get them a, a wiffle ball set so they could play baseball on the beach and they could be their favorite players. And it led to this really beautiful story of – us having like huge groups of kids come over and play mm. wiffle ball with us on the beach and they made friends and it was I'll, I'll let you read more about it either if you didn't see it my the story that i told on facebook i'm going to write more about it for press box's print issue but it it's 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 hitting me like it's it's emotional to me 
to see this with my kids right now. The way that, you know, my father saw it with me once upon a time when I was obsessed with Mike Devereaux so much that my father sought him out on an, in an airport in order to try to get me an autograph. Um, my mother sewed his name and number on the back of a blank Orioles jersey so that I could be Mike Devereaux for Halloween one year as a kid. And I'm seeing these things now with my kid. They are love with Gunner. They are, I, I can't even put it into words. They're obsessed with Gunner Henderson. Like, they like Adley. They like Felix. They like Cedric Mullins. They, they, actually, they really do. They're in love with Santander because he made that catch at the wall the, in the game the, on the superhero oh, the day. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah. they, they yeah, liked Santander before, but yes. yes. Like, they, they are, it's like Gunner and Santander are their guys. Adley's still in the mix, but they are because they're going to school now, and other kids at school are talking about the Orioles. Mm-hmm. Other kids at school are like, you know, did you watch the game? It's it's amazing. I can't put it into words. It's so cool, man. It's such a neat thing to experience as a father, um, and this is this is new for me. This is the first time that I have seen this with my kids. Like, they like Lamar, and Lamar's been their guy, and they've met Justin Tucker a couple times, so they've they've known they like Justin Tucker. But this is next level. Like, this is a, a love affair that they're feeling. And it's and because the games are every night. Yeah, and, buying in. And, and because I get to watch him with them. That's been the one difficult yeah. thing with the Ravens is, like, I don't get to watch the games with them yeah. because I'm I'm working. But now I get to watch the games with them. And, ah. Uh, it's hard to put into words. Hard Oil, to put into words. Orioles magic is a special thing, That's isn't it? That's correct, Grant. Very much the case. That is correct. Are they either of them left-handed? Is that why they like Gunner, you think? Or just... Uh, My like, six-year-old that was why, pretends so, to be a switch hitter. Oh, okay. And a switch ever... Like, he... And I can't tell yet whether he's, like, forcing it and it's awkward or whether he really is, right? Like, he... He will decide one day he's left-handed. <laughs> and it doesn't look painful. And then when I tell him to try to bat right-handed, he always puts the wrong hand on top. Like, always. I have to... When we were playing wiffle ball last week, every time I'd be like, switch, switch your hands. <laughs> no, he's trying to revolutionize hitting. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe he can. I have no idea. It's uh, That was why I always went Nick Marcakis, because he was left-handed. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I totally understand. That was, that was my guy. <sighs> it's cool, man. It's very cool. All right, uh, pressboxonline.com slash offers has all of the sign-up bonuses and promos for all of the seven legal online sportsbooks here in the state of Maryland. Go there right now and get offers like $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings after placing your first $10 bet or up to $1,250 in bonus bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sportsbooks. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers and sign up today. John Smoltz, Jeremy Kahn, and then we'll squeeze in this week and the rest of baseball, all still to come here in hour number two of a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. It's another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. One of the most special nights of the season on Friday the 4th, Navy Night. Come celebrate the newest plebe class. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with our pregame touch-a-truck event. And it's the last of our big hitter bobbleheads, Colton Kowser on Sunday for the first 750 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at BaySox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, President 
of A.J. Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland Birdland. Earn points all year long with the Orioles Clubhouse Rewards MasterCard, where your love of the game meets great rewards. Built for Orioles fans, you can earn once-in-a-lifetime experiences exclusively curated for card members. Plus, earn four times at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, three times on gas and travel, and receive 5,000 rewards points when you spend $250 in the first 90 days. Get yours now at Orioles.com slash Clubhouse Rewards. Terms apply. Use everywhere MasterCard is accepted. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know it's on Grindr or anything, I swear! On second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Stan the Fan, who you heard here last week, filling in for me, and I appreciate that. He'll be back with Ross Grimsley and Luke Jackson this afternoon, talking baseball, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. If you miss it live, youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on it because, obviously, baseball is front and center today, but I I think I I just am going to be interested in monitoring the running back thing. I'm going to be interested in not just Jonathan Taylor, but can they get any amount of organization amongst the top-tier running backs, those running backs that were on that Zoom meeting? I think everybody's going to be dismissive of the idea that those guys will, I don't know, sub-unionize, because that's 
that's what they have to hate. It, they they have to do something. There's no like it's very naked what's happening. NFL teams have adopted at the same time as they've devalued the position. They selected two in the first round of the draft this year, despite the fact they're telling you how irrelevant the position is. Because what they're really telling you is this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna run your rookie deal out. We're gonna tag you. We're gonna tag you again if we have to, and then we're never gonna sign you. And the backs can't do anything about it until there's another CBA. And that's not until 2030. So what do the running backs do? And to the point, you can't get Keaton Mitchell in on it. You can't get the guys who don't have certainty in their job. It would just have to be the top tier of running backs. The Jonathan Taylors, the Austin Ecklers, the Saquon Barkleys, the Josh Jacobs of the world. Can they organize in some sort of capacity and the union can't only represent them the union has to represent all of the players so i I don't know what this looks like but it is it's naked at the moment it's very clear what's happening and the running backs can't just say "Eh, well you know them's the breaks so I'm fascinated by it. I don't have the answers. J.K. Dobbins is holding out to no to no benefit. Right. Like, there's nothing that he's going to gain from holding out, but he's doing it anyway, and I understand it. None of these guys are benefiting. It's Jonathan Taylor can be furious at the Colts, and I, I get it, but do I think there's another team that's lining up to give big money to Jonathan Taylor? Look around. What? Who do you think that is? So what do they do? That All they can do is try to force some sort of hand. Try to force the NFL stepping in at some point and saying, all right, we have a problem that we have no other choice but to deal with. And it, we, it can't wait until the CBA. If all the top-tier running backs got together and said none of us are playing, it'd be easy to say, well, the NFL will just replace them with the next group of running backs. And Maybe. But we've already seen that answer. The Ravens have seen that answer, and we don't even think J.K. Dobbins is Jonathan Taylor. But we know they've been a drastically better football team with J.K. Dobbins than they have been without him. So, what do you do? I'm not, I don't have answers. It's just more fascinating to me than it is to some of you that want to be dismissive of it or just deal with it. I I think that there is a, a real breaking point that has been reached and that that top tier of running backs is going to have no choice but to try to force an issue somehow, some way. And whether we think J.K. Dobbins is actually a part of that top tier of running backs or not, it's very clear that he is kind of lining up with that group of running backs. So I don't know when you see J.K. Dobbins. I, I don't blame him. It's the reality of the circumstances. Of course, baseball is the name of the day as the Orioles win a series with the Yankees over the weekend and now get ready for a four-game set with the Blue Jays, and we continue to wait this morning. I've not seen anything really percolating this morning uh, regarding the trade deadline, but we will continue to monitor it throughout the course of the day and into tomorrow. Joining us now, unfortunately, he was on the call for the only game that didn't go the Orioles' way this weekend, and I don't know if that's bad luck or a bad omen or something like that, but 
it was really cool uh, hearing him talk about how special it was to be back in Baltimore and to be a part of the series. As he was on the call for Fox on Saturday night with uh, a couple of uh, guys that have uh, certainly very uh, unique Baltimore ties and Kenny Albert and Ken Rosenthal. He is the Hall of Famer, John Smoltz, and he's back with us here on GCR. John, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, my pleasure. I, I thought it was really, you know, in watching the broadcast, I got back from vacation on Saturday night, so I wasn't there. I was watching the broadcast, and I, I could feel something really genuine from you. That Like, it, it was really cool for you to be back in a market that cares about baseball, that you guys haven't been visiting a lot. That really resonated over your broadcast. I thought it was a really neat thing, what you were expressing about how much you appreciated being back in Baltimore on Saturday. Yeah, no, it, it is, um, it's, it's something that's a long time coming, right? You know, I, I, I never thought I would be um, talking about broadcast booths I've never been in when I've been a, uh, you know, national broadcast uh, broadcaster for Fox, but we're starting to mark them off, right? It's good to have that um, flexibility of getting these markets relevant, relevant. And, and Baltimore is certainly one of those in my playing days that was relevant. And when it is, it's baseball is better. I said the same thing about the Pittsburgh pirates, you know, and we all know the story after 1991. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Baltimore has had some hard years to lead to this point. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of, of management saying, give us seven years and we'll build a championship team. And, and, and Baltimore didn't do that. They just, they grounded it out and uh, grinded it out and obviously endured a lot of tough years to get to this point, but good for them. And, and they're set up now, you know, the old adage now in the game is a window of, and hope you, you never hear that. You hope it's, it's a long time. Baltimore. Uh, John Smoltz is with us here on GCR. John, I, the thing now that I think that jumps out to your point, like it feels like that window's open, but boy, do you never know, right? Like you never know how anything is going to go. And I'm not trying to directly compare to that the Cubs team in 2016 because I do think that they were more advanced than when they were where the Orioles are at the moment. But I think most of us thought then that they were at the beginning of their windows, and it turns out that was their chance, and they of course took advantage of it. How do you handle that as a club where we think it's the beginning of what should be a prolonged window, but yet you also have the best record in the American League and things are right there in front of you? And obviously there's the context of the trade deadline coming right now. Like, how do you measure those things as a baseball team? Yeah, it's a scenario to be in, but it's also a very tough one for management. I'm not saying I'd be a great general manager, but this is how I would look at it. Let's just say I became a general manager after having experienced 14 straight years in the postseason with the Atlanta Braves. And that model proved to work, although it didn't win enough championships, okay? And I get that, you know. But as a player, if you can give the player enough opportunities to, to win a championship, I believe they're going to win one, right? And as and, your job is, I think, uh, to create that opportunity, put a roster together, and then if you can help it along the foregoing the future, I mean, dramatically, you know, it's not a guarantee. Now, they've proven their number one picks have been guaranteed, but it's not a guarantee every top prospect in your organization is going to play and be very good, right? So you've got to have a percentage of them you're willing to give up 
for making your club better and thing act is very delicate because you're in a division historically with a couple juggernauts that were in the past willing to spend that is different when you're talking about Baltimore. Listen, I, I, a couple of months ago, I think came on talking about what I thought they were capable of doing, and they've done exactly. Yep. Now the narrative is going to go like this, and there's a narrative, and I'm glad they're not talking about it. But the narrative is going to be how do they get to the finish line? Their pitchers, can they, they? They're already exceeding innings limits. You hear yep. all this talk all the time that we never used to talk about 20 years ago, but is prevalent now. That's going to be their challenge. How do they get to the finish line with the pitching staff that they currently have? And can they add a piece that would help those innings? Because they're rostered the way it's constructed right now. In an ideal world, would you like one more bullpen arm? Absolutely. One more starter and one more hitter. But you got the baseball, and that's a curse. Because then most people think, well, okay, we could use this or use that. But you still have the best record in baseball. There's a reason for that. And I think for the Baltimore Orioles, I am convinced more than ever since having my hip surgery and watching 10 straight <laughs> games they played, they are good enough to win the World Series. Wow. Wow. That is a bold statement, John Smoltz. That's incredible. John Smoltz again with us here on GCR. So um, it, it, they good enough to win the World Series as is or good enough to win the World Series if – they address it by adding one more starter, one more reliever. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, you can never project. If, 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 if you could have a magic wand and say nobody gets hurt, they're good enough to win the World Series as is, no doubt. Now, coming along the way, there's going to be some of those teams that make dramatic moves that change the, the, the you know, that they're instructed, and that would, that would maybe give them a slight edge. And that's always the, the game you wait and see, right? As players, you're sitting there with anticipation. You love your team, but you know if you add a guy or you, you, you run the risk of losing somebody that was very important to help you get to this point because they bring in somebody else. And that's always the tough game as a player. But at the end of the day, you want to put yourself in position to put pressure on the general manager to be able to because I think every gentleman asks this question. If you're not in the playoff hunt and you make the move, does that put us in the playoff hunt, right? All these teams that are kind of like four or five games out that are making moves, they're risking a lot, but they're banking that, that whatever they got is better than the three teams that are in front of them. When you're already at the top, you're trying to figure out how do I stay at the top, even though teams below me are going to be making moves to try to, you know, frog me. So, okay, let me let me come back to something for a second. The the Orioles have these pit, and you saw Tyler Wells on Saturday night. First of all, did you did you feel that in Tyler yep. Wells on Saturday? Did you feel like this was a guy that was coming up against some sort of wall, or you know, just a guy that maybe needed a, a bit of a mental break, and you still feel like could have some big innings, maybe even big starts to deliver the Orioles before the season is over. You think if they get creative and space out some outings for these guys, look, this it just was a bad matchup for him. He, yeah. he faced the Yankees a hundred times in his young career. Hasn't fared well. You know, he's a top of the zone fastball pitcher. I love the way he goes and attacks the hitters, but he had a couple guys yeah. in that lineup that loved the ball up. So it just happens when you have that one team, 
that one team has your number and you, you know, over time it'll work out, but early in his career, let's face it, he's had to face. That's the thing about all these young pitchers who have had in the toughest division ever to navigate pitching in this division with all these monsters. So they've gotten their kind of, you know, they've lost, uh, they lost a lot and now they're benefiting from it. I think that's a great thing. We don't value that in the game anymore and they've survived on the other end and you watch what they're going to do when they stay healthy. I love the rotation. I love the bullpen. And I think if you can just get creative and don't talk outwardly about what's meaning, all right, this guy's reaching his innings limits. Have your internal limits and talk to your players, but don't set the brain in a motion of the defeated thing when you've got a lot of guys right now rolling. Did you... Did, I'm assuming when you said I didn't. By the way, how, how's your hip? First of all, John, I should ask that question. Everything good? Everything's great. Awesome. Yeah, progressing awesome. uh, nicely. I assume you got to watch Friday night as you were getting ready for the Saturday broadcast because we're kind of freaking. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez, who we were worried about, stood toe to toe and outpitched in in some senses Garrett Cole on Friday night in a huge game in front of a massive crowd after he had to wait out a two hour rain delay. I don't know that any one start can be a start that you look at and say, hey, that's the moment. But we were starting to get some of those vibes from Grayson Rodriguez on Friday night. How how much should we take from what he was able to do in that circumstance? Yeah, I love this guy. Um, I Again, I don't like hyperbole and, and, and certain things that you can just throw around. I, I did Jacob DeGrom's debut when he broke in with the Mets, and my jaw hit the ground when I saw the arm side fastball and I saw the delivery, and I said this was going to be the best pitcher the Mets ever have wow. in, in their rotation currently, meaning, right, they were all talking about how great their rotation was. And I watched that game, and if that was a postseason game, that would have been one of the greatest postseason games I've ever seen. It was one of the best regular season games I've seen. And the way the ball comes out of this young man's hand I am like going to be drooling every time I watch him pitch. And I know he's young, and they made a great uh, adjustment. The organization has made some changes to his foot and the landing part, part of where he goes. And I'm telling you that the sky's the limit for this young man. He has a unique gift, and it doesn't look like he's throwing max effort, yet the ball jumps out of his hands. The hitters don't see it. When he upgrades and gets that third pitch, that slider going, it's over. And so they have a front line already top of the rotation guy, and he's only 22 years old. So um, I understand the way the game's played. I understand injuries are like, you know, it's like having a common cold. We get them every other day. But when you look at it, when I, when I sit here and look at a pitcher, I look at the mechanical easiness of which he goes about his game. And I'm telling you, no one's immune from injury but he does almost everything you would dream a pitcher can do, and he's 22, so that's a great place to be. I'm getting goosebumps listening to you talk about Grayson Rodriguez right now, John Small. It's like legitimately getting goosebumps talking about it, and it was. The, like, watching that on Friday night was a special, you know, a John Means throwing a no-hitter a couple years ago, but a special an Orioles pitching performance as I have seen in a very long time. What what derails this, John? Like, what would you be nervous about at all? Not just for this season, but as we point out, like, the next couple of years. Health, of course, is probably at the top of the list, but what else would you be concerned about as far as the Orioles being able to maintain, and as you've compared before with us, trying to replicate that core of what you all put together in Atlanta in the 1990s? 
I think, I mean, and it's going to seem a little weird. We got to get out of this national narrative that everybody's going to break if this happens, right? There's no scientific measures in a pitch count. There's no scientific measures in an innings limit. Now you got to be, you can't be stupid and you can't go 70 innings over what you did before, but we got to start balancing watching what our eyes see and knowing what the athlete can or can't do. We can't just be putting everybody in the same box. And so far, that's what I like of the approach that the Orioles have had in this whole ordeal. Because you know why it's hard to win as a young ball club? Because everybody is not prepared to do their job until three years in the big leagues Mm -hmm. as a pitcher. That's what it takes. And so why you see a young staff never win a World Series? It's because of that. And when you mention the Cubs, what did they do? They went out and got veteran pitchers. And so we have, a, we have a shortage of starting pitchers in our game, and it's on purpose, and now they're reaping the unfortunate uh, uh, you know, results of that because everyone wants a bullpen. Everyone wanted a bullpen. You, know, you heard bullpenning seven, ten years ago. The Baltimore Orioles are going to win multiple championships if, if, to finish the statement if they sustain a starting rotation much like the, you know, obviously what we did. And they have five legitimate guys. I'm not saying they have five guys that can finish the year, but they have five really good starting pitchers. And that gives you a leg up. Now, do you use all five in the postseason? No. But at, given the point that, they're get, that they have an opportunity to get one of the two best records, boy, does that set them up really, really well for the postseason. This is, uh, boy, it, it is hard to not feel carried away after having this conversation with you, my friend. It well, is. I mean, honestly, this is not a fluke. Like, if you'd ask people in the beginning of the season, all the experts, yeah. you know, who do you think is going to win the East? I don't know if anybody would have said Baltimore. Right. Even if they go back and look at the second half of 2022 when they were, you know, they fell a couple games short. They, what they would say is this is an exciting team. This is a team that now is learning how to win. There is not an expert in the world after the first three weeks of the season said this is a team that can catch the uh, you know the, the, the Rays, Tampa yeah. Bay Rays. Yeah. So this is not a fluke, and and this is something that they've been able to prove. Like, they're not going to blow a lot of people out. They're going to play a lot of close. Li- they have balance. I said that on my my broadcast. They have balance in every area of their ball club. That gives them a chance every single game, and it gives them a chance to not to avoid like streaks negative streaks, losing streaks, long ones. And that's what you have to be able to do when you stay up top and, you know, especially in your league. Well, we are rooting for this to mean there's going to be a few more uh, Fox appearances in Baltimore before the season is over. We are rooting for this to mean that uh, the Orioles might become like national darlings over the course of the next couple of months. Uh, what's next for you, John Smoltz? What's, I, you guys have a, a, do you have a, a Thursday night game this week? Did I see that? I have a Thursday night game. we got Yankees, Astros on Thursday. And then, uh, yeah, the playoffs this year, I'm covering the American League, so I hope to see ah, a lot uh, we of would, the Baltimore Orioles. We would love if there was, like, a, a extended John Smoltz stay here in Baltimore. That would mean Oh, everything. I'm just thinking right away, I'm thinking Baltimore Country Club, Caves Valley, <laughs> some, there's some darlings <laughs> out there to bring my sticks to. Caves is, I uh, do, Caves is, uh, we actually had a PGA event a couple years ago at Caves, and yep. it was it was awesome. Patrick Cantley, Bryson DeChambeau going down the stretch, and for those that don't know, John is is damn near a professional golfer as well, so uh, it'd be awesome to have you come out and play there. John Smoltz, uh, truly appreciate it, man. Really, thank you for taking the time for us and for getting us even more fired up than we already were about uh, what's going on here right now. appreciate you hanging out with us this morning. You got it. My pleasure. Shoo!
I mean, how do you respond to that? How do you, what what do you say? Mic drop. John Smoltz said he's watched the Orioles for the last 10 days, or 10 straight games because mm-hmm. he was uh, he had hip surgery. They can win the World Series as is. I now, mean, that, like, I'm not willing to say that. <laughs> but I don't know baseball the way that John Smoltz knows baseball. Right. I ain't John Smoltz. That means a lot hearing it from him. Jesus. And his grace in comparison, too, was unreal. Well, yeah. Oh, 100%. And look, I'm telling you, I was feeling something watching Grayson on Friday night. Yeah, so was I. Like, I, 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 I. I get worried. What he said about hyperbole, I get worried that we get caught up in hyperbole. And I brought it up with Steve Johnson earlier. But you're standing toe-to-toe with Garrett Cole on a packed house Friday night. Things haven't gone your way. You had to wait out a two-hour rain delay. There's the emotions of the ballpark. Mo Gabaday. Jones is Adam there. Jones is back, right? And this? You both go out and throw scoreless innings. And you have to. You have to go out and throw. If they allowed one run. It was over. Jesus. I was feeling a way. I was feeling a way watching Grayson Rodriguez on Friday night. I was on cloud nine. I was bar backing and I was watching on the TV. Dude. I was on cloud nine. It was. And, you know, the way that he described it, he was like, that That would have been one of the great playoff games we would have ever seen. Oh, my yeah. gosh. It was like, it's one of the greatest regular season games I've ever seen. And it was. It was that special. It was everything about it was just, you could feel the intensity of the moment. I don't know if you remember a year ago, but everybody kept saying, like, is it we, we're doing a conversation. Is it is it playoffs or bust? And I said, just get me to Labor Day. That was my point. Like, get me the yeah. feel of meaningful baseball again. And that'll be a that that'll be enough for me. Like that alone will do it for me. If you can just get me meaningful September baseball here. And they did, right? Now it didn't last any much longer than Labor Day, but that was okay. I didn't move the goalpost. They did that. Now you're getting all of the feels. The intensity of a July baseball game. And you're sweating while you're watching it because it's that intense. Obviously you're sweating if you're there because it was hot as balls. <laughs> but even those of us that were watching from Unless you're in the birdbath. Yeah, yeah, it's and, lucky and, 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 and it's a night where the Orioles weren't getting extra base hits, but Adam Jones just decided yeah, to, to just, soak everybody. Fly out the left field and he was like, Oh, it's near us. Yeah, right? Why not? <laughs> One, two, three inning. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Nice defensive play. Hello. Santander made another really nice defensive yes, play. Yes, he did. Oh, my God. It was really, really oh nice, God. wasn't it? It was a hell of a play. And with the game on, the, on line. the line, 100% on the line, and then Santander made that play. Almost like he didn't ever need to come out. And not play. Correct. Right. Just almost yeah. like it was okay. He's a right leave. fielder. Yes. yes. I get uh, it. I have to be realistic about the metrics. You can call, call Jeremy. Okay. It's fine. We don't have to take a break here. We'll take a break and then um, after we talk to Jeremy. But I was feeling all those things that John Smoltz was feeling. But it's one thing for me to say it. It's another thing for John Smoltz to say it. Yeah. He's John Smoltz. Not sure if you're familiar with his work. He's pretty good. That was that was something. Whew. All right. I mean, I really don't. I don't even know what to say. I really don't. I genuinely don't know how to just transition and move on. And him comparing him to that hype of Degrom, I see the similarity. 
That was something, man. That was an honor. That was a, uh, you know, you don't have conversations like that every day. Oh, no. That was, uh, you, you feel it? I'm telling you, I was getting, that's straight shoot, by the way. Straight shoot, John Smoltz talking about Grayson Rodriguez gave me goosebumps. That's not a, that's not hyperbole. That's not me trying to sell. That was John Smoltz talking about Grayson Rodriguez just made the hairs on my arm stand up. Yeah, you know how Madison does Orioles classics. You'll see that game replayed yeah, for was, years. Well, I don't know. They, they like to stick to the 2020. <laughs> the Atlanta Braves. I mean, <laughs> It's random. The, that was the was that that was Keegan Aiken. Yeah, it was Keegan Aiken. Jose Iglesias' first home run. They can't they can't stop showing <laughs> that game. Yeah, I was watching <sighs> I was watching Nick Markakis that game. <sighs> All right, uh, it's good to have our buddy Jeremy Khan back with us here on uh, GCR. Um, uh, we were just talking about Friday night, man. Um, all of that, all of the you know the, Grayson going up against Garrett Cole, the crowd. And then Adam being back, and of course it being Mo Gabba Day. Where does Friday night like stand for you among some of the more special nights that you've experienced with the Orioles over the years? Oh, it's it's got to be up there. I mean, I feel like every Mo Gabba Day so far has been uh, pretty special to say right. the least. Um, you know, we uh, just seeing them beat the Yankees here and, and the way they did it. Uh, seeing how good Grayson was on Friday night, waiting for a lot of that to go down. I just thought it was a great night overall. Um, I, let me let me separate these two things because let me spend a minute on Mo. What it means to you that it still matters to see, you know, the emotions that Adam had being a part of it. What it means to you that it's it's not we're we're three years removed and it's not going away. We're not forgetting about how important this young man was. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I said something to Sanji's brother about it when I was uh, I got down to the stadium, was walking around, and I ran into Baywan one of her brothers. And I was just saying like, the cool thing is I try not to oversaturate it, which maybe it's not the right word by, by pushing, pushing, pushing to where all of a sudden it, it people drown it out. Um, but you know, like once I posted that on that, on that Friday and saw all the messages, I mean, you're talking hundreds of messages of people saying how much they miss him and bringing up memories or just talking about the game. And uh, it's just really cool. And, and, and hoping that, you know, that Mo Gabba and that name is synonymous with the Orioles, the Ravens, for years to come, hopefully, and it's something that we can revisit all the time, and I'm hoping the Mo Gabba Day stuff continues. I, I think it's it's an incredibly special thing, and it allows an opportunity to tell more people about Mo Gabba. I, I, I told a story last week about a family that we met down at the beach, and I got to talk to them about Mo Gabba on Friday, which was a really special thing, and uh, I think it's why it's so important to continue doing that stuff. I, um, so I'm wearing my Mo Strong shirt, and yeah. I had two different people come up to me from New York saying, what's what's Mo Strong mean? Wow. Who's Mo Gabba? Why is it Mo Gabba Day? And I got to tell them both the stories, and both of them were just like, oh, I can't wait to get home and watch that piece on YouTube. Oh. And um, they said, oh, my God, that sounds so amazing. It sounds so cool that the city had something like that. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting just kind of trying to spread that love and share the story as much as possible. All right, now to the other side of it. Now to Grayson Rodriguez, and I, I'm not. I'm. I get it. It's one start. I shouldn't be reacting the way that I am because it's one start. But the circumstances and it being Garrett Cole and it being someone that we were starting to get a little nervous about. I, I you know, Eric, our, our friend Eric Arditi mentioned to me. He's like, I, I think that's the most important pitching performance we've seen in years, you know, I, I guess you'd have to throw John Means no-hitter in, but, like, in context, the, the no-hitter was with a bad team and the Orioles weren't going to do anything that season, right? Like, 
I, it's one of the most important pitching performances I've seen from an Oriole in a very long time. I don't know how to contextualize the fact that, like, we don't know that it's a guarantee that that means that's what Grayson Rodriguez is now, but it's the possibility that that's what Grayson Rodriguez can be moving forward. Yeah, well, look at his numbers since he got called back up again. Um, he's been relying more on the fastball, getting away from the cutter, and I think a lot of it's looked great. So, like, there's there's nothing but, you know, like, there, there should be nothing but excitement for fans out here watching these young prospects, and even the next what, all the way up until 6 o'clock tomorrow to find out if they make any moves. But yeah. Grayson has been as advertised, I think, when you look at him getting called up the first time around and getting knocked around a bit. There was some unluckiness, but there was also some bad pitching. He's got to learn how to get through some of that stuff. And I like the fact that he's getting in a pitcher's count, and he's like, you know what, screw this. I'm going to hump it up there over 100 with a little movement on it, see if you can hit it. It's awesome. <laughs> it's freaking awesome. It's so cool, yeah. man. It's so cool to see. All right, so now the deadline. I asked this question yesterday. Rob and I had a conversation about it. What if they don't? What if they don't do anything of significance? What What will your conversations be like come Wednesday morning if, you know, it's either a minimal, you know, bullpen throwaway pickup or they literally do nothing between now and tomorrow afternoon? I don't think it's the end of the world if they do nothing. I do believe, though, that the Dodgers and the Braves are ahead of them as far as just talent. Um, you know, when you look overall at Major League Baseball, I still think they could do nothing and be the best team in the American League. Uh, it wouldn't shock me, you know, but it's about keeping up with the Joneses because you feel like the Blue Jays already made a trade for Hicks. You know the Yankees are going to make some other moves. Um, you look around at it, Houston made a move. Texas has made multiple moves. Uh, how does Seattle get on this? The Angels have made more moves than anyone, it feels like. So, you know, these other teams are going to make trades. Can you, uh, do, do you feel that competition of staying up with them? And I also said that I wonder if the Orioles are running into that problem where they call teams and teams are like, well, we want this guy. Right. Like, Come on, let's right. be honest. Our third best prospect is not the same as another team's third best prospect. I think it's it's absolutely part of the conversation. It's something that a couple of baseball people have brought up to me that, that's been an issue with this team. That they, they, those general managers have to go back to their, you know, front of, their owners and say, well, we got the number two prospect in that organization. And the Orioles are saying, well, you can't have that here. It's not going to work that way. And that's a tough thing to sell when, you know, the point you just made is relevant. I, I'm, I'm in a tough spot, Jeremy, because I, I know the practical thing to say is it's, it does matter. And what the, the points that Mike Elias brought up on Friday about, hey, if, Unless the world is going to end in November, we've got to think this thing through for the next couple of years. I know that's true, but at the same time, it's the measurement of here we are. We're a year into this team being good. We haven't seen one player re-signed. We didn't see a financial commitment in the offseason. I, I hate bringing it up, but we are still waiting on the least thing still. It, it just feels like you got to do something at some point to shake up this fan base and say, this is not, we're not going to waste this. We are going to recognize, and I'm not saying be reckless. I'm not saying trade away Jackson Holiday or, you know, overpay for something, but I, it just feels like at some point you have to make a statement of, we know what's going on here and, and we're here with you as we do this. We are going to attempt to capitalize on it. It's, did you start to think something was up last night when Westbrook, when Westbrook came got out? pulled? Of course or, I did. Of course I did. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, so that's – we're all in that – and look, somebody's going to be upset at whether it's Mayo, it's Westbrook, it's Ortiz, it's – I mean, you can go 
and name all these guys, somebody's going to be like, I can't believe we traded him. But you have to give up something to get something. And, you know, if you want to kick the tires on Lance Lynn and give up nothing for him, okay, right, I'm, yeah. I'm listening to you because that's what the Dodgers did. Um, you know, like if you or, or if you have them throw in something else, you get a bullpen arm back with it. I've seen a lot of rumors about the Orioles and Padres flirt with one another. The Padres are now five games out of the yep. wild card race. Yep. And they're playing great baseball. Do yeah. you? And that's without Tatis really playing all that well over the stretch. So, um, and now they're in cores on a team that they should go in there and just pound the hell out of. And we'll see if they do that. But it would not shock me to see them get back in the mix and not trade anybody. It so, killed. It killed me. By um, the way, this weekend killed me because I, it, if for competing for the best record in the American League and home field advantage, it's great to see the Rangers lose three games. But at the same time, yeah. I am so in love with the idea of Josh Hader. Like, that's been my guy that I have so desperately mm-hmm. wanted that it killed me watching the Padres win games this weekend because I think your point is relevant. Like, whether, whether it completely takes them out of the conversation, I don't know, but I think it ups the cost. I think it, it, it now leads into if there was a world where you could do um, a, a rent Hader and Snell for Joey Ortiz – and you know, throw in a couple other pieces. I don't. I that price probably has now gone up because they have the cards to say either you're going to pay us significantly, or we're going to be willing to take a chance and see if we can't yeah. figure out a way to make it work. Like that's to me the devastating part of this because man, I was in love with the idea of the Padres being the answer. Like I, the idea of it being, I had talked about the Hater and Lugo a couple weeks ago. The idea of it being Snell and Hater, Jesus, I might have been willing to pay yeah. something real for that. And and the, I mean, I saw another one today that had Soto Snell. And yeah, Hader I saw in there that and one Orioles too. For giving up a lot, yeah. But um, but you know, like the, the same thing to be said about what's going on because the Cubs get on their win streak and now they're not trading Bellinger, which maybe they don't trade some of those other pieces as well now that they think they're in the race. And then you look out west, the Padres are kind of hanging around; they're still in it. The Angels win some games, and then they make th- what was it, three trades, I think, already. Yep. So, yep. you know, like, it is kind of strange to see these teams we thought would be sellers and you'd be competing for their players now become in competition with you competing for other players from teams we didn't think would be sellers. So um, I, I just I don't know how it all breaks down. I would not be shocked if the Orioles did nothing. I still think they do something other than Fuji, but that was still a pretty good trade as well. Um, I'm going to allow – we have an intern named Grant who's working with us this summer, and he wants to jump in and ask you something. So I'm going to give him a shot, okay. and then it's going to be sort of like the gong show. If it's not working, we're actually going to physically throw him out of the room. We're just going to toss okay. him out of the room if it's not working. But go ahead, Grant. What's up, Grant? Hey, Jeremy. It's Grant. Nice to meet you. Um, if we're looking at a starter or um, upgrade the, re- the pitching rotation in general, I just read a report from uh, Zach Meisel of The Athletic. The Guardians are considering making Aaron Savali available, uh, and they've they've couponed about the possibility of selling, um, get, giving him away for a controllable young hitter, which the Orioles have a lot of those available. What would you would you be interested in seeing us pursue somebody like Savali, in in exchange for one of our younger hitters who who the the Guardians would have control over for a, an extended period of time? Do you think somebody like Savali would fit the the the, the team plan heading forward here? It is interesting that they brought that that name was brought up because he's he's had a couple of nice starts his last few times out. I do think Savali pitches better at home than on the road. I'd have to go look at those numbers. I thought that was something with him, but yeah, I mean he's another guy that could fit in here. And you, as you mentioned, they have controllable players, so uh, that wouldn't be an issue. I mean, there were rumors that they were going to move Bieber or 
some of these other guys. And I, I don't know what the Guardians are doing. The, the trade for Noah Syndergaard is one of the weird, weirdest trades I think I've seen. Like, yeah. hey, let's give up this shortstop for a veteran pitcher when we have all these good young pitching. Um, so I didn't get that. But, again, I think we'll see a couple of those moves from some teams that are getting rid of expiring contracts and trying to bring something else in. Uh, it's interesting to me, the idea of trading from your, your depth of hitters for a, for a controllable pitcher, right? Because I, I, I think part of some some troll on the Internet got everybody worked up about uh, Jordan Westberg last night and, and used Logan Gilbert. Like, that was it, was, it was made up. Yeah. It was just some fake tweet. But then you started thinking about it, and you were like, well, would I be opposed to this? Like, I, I like Jordan Westberg a lot. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, I'm enamored with Jordan Westberg. But if the Mariners really are that desperate for, you know, position players, that they're willing to give up a young, successful pitcher with control on Logan Gilbert, I, I, I don't know that I would be opposed to making a deal like that, given everything that you have as the Orioles. I, I actually think that would kind of be a savvy type of move to make. It'll be fairly interesting um, making a swap like that. If Seattle, I mean, Seattle does have a ton of young pitching with right. Brian Wu and and uh, Miller, and I mean, you go on and on. I, I still think the other cat that's pitching today is their best pitcher outside, you know, best young pitcher. Luis Castillo is their guy um, that's going to be starting any game ones. But but when you when you look at that team, Logan Gilbert's a tall guy throwing downhill. Um, this would be a perfect park for him to pitch into. Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense to make a move like that if you can. And and the thing I'll keep going back to is there's so many names in this minor league system that we expect to be good. They're all not going to be right. here. And I don't think you can worry about trading a piece away. Um, you know, I've already listed my untouchables, and there were, uh, what was it, Holiday, Grayson, and the two guys that are there now, and Gunnar right. and Adley. Everybody else for me is kind of up for grabs depending on what the package would be. Um, I, I I get I get so carried away, and then nothing's gonna happen, and I'm gonna be disappointed, and I'm gonna you know try to I'm gonna be the guy that's gonna try to say the right things, like hey, you know, but I, God, I get all work. This is the this is the Christmas. By the way, what thing. a cesspool Twitter is now, or X, or whatever the hell they're calling it. No, it, with, it's Twitter. Like, every I, single time I click on somebody's name just to see if it's a fake name, yeah, how many followers they yeah. have. It's just it's I hate this. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's a hell of a that, that guy. It just never never misses, does he? That guy. That guy is unbelievable no. in what he's created there. You mean X, right? Yeah, That's no, we're, we're not. About. We're not going to ever. That will never be something that I we refer to. I was confused because you weren't calling not going to be so. the case. Um, Jeremy, did you? Uh, did, you weren't at the game last night, right? Were you watching on ESPN? Yeah, I watched on TV. So I, I it was really interesting because you know, we, look, I admit this. I bumped into uh, former Baltimore Sun writer Laura Vesey last week while I was down at the beach. It was very random, right? We started having a conversation, and I was like. You know, one of our, our issues in Baltimore, like, it's okay that we're provincial. It's problematic when we become Napoleonic, right? Like, and we are very capable of becoming Napoleonic. It, it doesn't take yeah. us much. And we suddenly cross from provincial to Napoleonic quickly. I thought, in, in, on the whole, I thought it was ridiculous how, how much Baltimore and how much Orioles you were getting from an ESPN broadcast of a Yankees game on Sunday Night Baseball. I could everything they were doing was interview with Felix Batista was, you know, here's this package on Adley Rutschman and Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson and Colton Kowser. And, it, you know, Gunnar Henderson mic'd up in the, like they were over the top on how much Orioles was in that broadcast. And then of course every Orioles fan was, yeah, but you know, shame on them for bringing up the Mike Messina thing or shame on them for talking about the wall. I'm like, 
dude, were, were, were we watching different games? Like, they, they, the ESPN had a Yankees game on their network on a Sunday night and did overwhelming Orioles content during the course of the broadcast. I thought it was impossible how Orioles centric that broadcast was last night. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I don't. Like, I watch a ton of baseball. I get to see a lot of announcers from other teams. Uh, the only one I'm stuck watching is the Nats for whatever reason. I can't watch uh, the other teams. And it's, I would be watching all the other teams if I could. But there's a lot of good announcers out there, hometown team, you know, hometown announcers, if you want to call them homers or whatever. And I got no problem with the announcers that root for their team. But just call it like you see it. Like, don't I don't want the rose-colored glasses on when a pitch is closed every single time it goes against you. And then this way it should be – like, I thought they did a phenomenal job last night, and I, I can't stand Buckler only with a passion. Um, I like the fact that he had to say a couple of good things about right. the Orioles, even right. though he talked out of both sides of his mouth. Right. Um, but, yeah, overall, I thought the broadcast was great. I, I couldn't – I really couldn't believe it. Like, I was so prepared for it to just be all Aaron Judge for nine innings. You know, like, Judge is back. This is the – I was completely prepared for that. And then all of a sudden it was – Almost overwhelming how much Orioles. And to be was. fair, maybe it would have been had he played or started. Yeah, you know, that like, might be true. Maybe it, we would have got it, more into it. It might just be that they lucked out that way that, you know, that because Aaron Judge was in the lineup, they, they weren't able to do all the Aaron Judge content. And I get it. Like, the wall stuff was over the top. But, again, we, we saw, we literally saw that the there was a home run that would have been a home run in every other stadium but in Baltimore. And, and that was the conversation because of that. I can't blame them for having that conversation at that point. I like yeah. it matters. Like we saw evidence of why and I thought Brandon Hyde's answer was great. Like we know why they did what they did with the wall. It wasn't because they needed to improve Camden Yards aesthetically. It made Camden Yards worse aesthetically. They did it specifically yeah. because of that last night. Because they wanted there to be cases where a pitcher could make a pitch and not have it be a home run. And it's fine to have a conversation about that nationally after you had literally just seen an example of it, a, a batter earlier. I said it the first time Aaron Judge said it's build a park. I'm like, that's how they that's how they do with every park. They build it. Correct. And like, <laughs> if there's something you don't like about it, you change it. Right. If you wanted more seats to make more money, you put more seats in. If you want to take seats out, you take them out. Like, what's the difference? You have dimensions everywhere. Your dimensions are way shorter in – in New York than they are in Baltimore. Okay, so be it. Like, we have some ballparks that are way bigger that can attract more pitching. Do hitters want to go there? Do guys want to – you know what I mean? Yep. Like, yep. each ballpark is different. That's what. That's, that's one of the baseball, special yes, things about correct. baseball, I think, compared to other sports, is that the field is not the same size in every single stadium. I, I thought it was a good broadcast. I really didn't. I thought it was uh, in, enjoyable. I thought it was pleasant. I thought it was – like, I, I know people hate the in-game interviews – and I think I'm opposed to in-game interviews with players who are playing. Like, that was awkward when the, the Yankees are kind of teeing off and Gunnar Henderson's got to be like, well, I hope that doesn't continue, right? Like, that's yeah. a bit much. But, like, talking to Felix Batista in the bullpen, I, I thought that was great. Like, I really thought that yeah. added something. I'm I'm cool with that. I thought those. there were a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. And I said this before. When it comes to interviewing players on the field, like, as a gambler, I hate it. Don't mess with my game. I don't need any other things messing with it. But right. as a fan and watching it, I thought it was good. I like I like hearing from these guys. I, I think they'll eventually overdo it where too many guys are mic'd up and we're constantly doing that because it'll get oversaturated. Yeah. But um, right now, I kind of like what they're doing. I thought the All-Star game was a lot of fun. 
do you find yourself completely un like I I'm almost offend I hate saying this because it's like our colleagues that are out there doing it. I'm almost offended by training camp content in my feed right now. Like I who gives a flying <laughs> I F do I do I love about it a lot. stop yeah this is the problem. Like who who could possibly care? Which doesn't mean that I'm not going to care about the Ravens. Like when the season begins, I will care. I will be invested. There's only 17 games. You have to be. But God. Damn, I can't. I couldn't possibly care less at the moment. I can't. I, I can't do I it. I did my inevitable. Um, I it, it drives me nuts at training camp or whether you're down in the stadium and fans cheer after a play. I'm like, well, they're you're going up against your guys. Right. <laughs> right. I guess you just cheer every time because could I technically boo right. and right. be that guy that's booing all? Like, you know, like if they called a pass, they called it on your cornerback. <laughs> if, <laughs> but right, like it's just one of those weird things that watching i'm looking around like everybody's cheering but that guy got burned oh he broke up the pass but yeah whatever yeah dude it's uh it's brutal it's brutal all right what's going on uh this week on the show well all the guys are back so we're finally together um we'll we'll be getting some training camp reports like you're talking about but it's primarily going to be orioles you know like with the trade deadline coming up tomorrow at six i'm sure we'll be uh beating our drum on this thing over and over and over again and what they do and some of the the rumors i think this is a really fun time of all the things that don't happen, and of course, do happen as well. No doubt, no doubt. It's uh, this is this is an electric week. Uh, it's the Big Bad Morning Show, of course, on 105.7 The Fan at Jeremy Khan. 105.7 on Twitter is how you follow him. Picks every day at PressBoxOnline.com. Uh, oh, and I got a show for you. Yes. Have you watched Twisted Metal yet on Peacock? I have not. Did you play the video game? I, I like I did. It wasn't like a big thing for me, but I'm. If you're telling me it's good, I will watch. It's fun. It's okay. entertaining. It's um, if you go into it, it you're going to laugh. Uh, I thought Samoa Joe did a phenomenal job playing um, Sweet Tooth, and Will Arnett's doing the voiceover for him, so okay. Samoa Joe doesn't have to talk. Yeah, it's probably but, the best. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think there's I think there's a lot to like about it. Okay, um, I also know that you watched because I saw that you guys had the director on last week. I put the director of the American Gladiators 30 for 30 on uh, my show and at the time had no idea that they were doing a Netflix thing. And in hindsight, mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed. And I, I don't want to take shots at that guy, but why did they ever make that 30 for 30 in comparison to the Netflix thing? It was garbage. Like, the Netflix thing was incredible. It was it was you everything the 30 for yeah, 30 should have I been. think it's a rush to get it out quick, right? Like, yeah. they wanted to get it out before them because anytime somebody... Do- this has happened a couple times with whether it's ESPN and the NFL Network, ESPN and Netflix, I mean, you pick which other outlet you want to go to where somebody's trying to rush their piece out before the other ones get to do theirs. And ultimately, we've had a couple different ones, um, but I, I do think Netflix did a better job of it. I thought it was on. It was incredible. It was everything I wanted in the 30, the 30 for 30, like focusing on the, the Elvis guy. Like, I... I just don't care about yeah. this the way that you want me to care about it. I want to hear the stories about all the gladiators boning. That's what I want. I want those yeah. stories. And God bless Net- yep. the Netflix documentary for giving it to me because it was awesome. I think that's what we all wanted, gladiators <laughs> boning. Hey, why, why have we never gotten – all right, never mind. That's a conversation for a different yeah. day. All right, all right, buddy. Love you. We'll talk next Monday. Thanks, pal. All right, man. Sounds good. Jeremy Kahn with us here on GCR. We'll come back in this week in the rest of baseball, tidbit and tubular to wrap things up. Oh, 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 okay. On a Monday edition of GCR. 
Hey, Birdland. Experience one of Oriole Park at Camden Yards' best values with the completely redesigned Pepsi All-Inclusive Picnic Perch. With an updated brand and a fresh new look, enjoy exclusive club-level access with left-field club seating and an all-inclusive food and beverage menu, including hot dogs, pulled pork barbecue, assorted Pepsi drink products, and more. Take advantage of this great deal now. Tickets start at just $45. Buy your tickets at Orioles.com slash Picnic Perch. Catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum. And make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of A.J. Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com. Your summer destination is closer than you think at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. With an expansive gaming floor and incredible dining options ready for you to explore, your adventure awaits. Dine at the new Coho Korean Barbecue House coming in July or on the patio at the Prime Rib. Enjoy the summertime breeze at Orchid Smoking Patio. Limited time packages starting at $229. What are you waiting for? Book now. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call one gambler All electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland, and DriveEasyMD.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource, home to Easy Pass, pay by plate, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. DriveEasyMD.com will keep you moving. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley bomb, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. One of the most special nights of the season on Friday the 4th, Navy Night. Come celebrate the newest plebe class. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with our pregame touch-a-truck event. And it's the last of our big hitter bobbleheads, Colton Kowser on Sunday for the first 750 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms if you need more of glenn you can also hear him every sunday with rita on 105.7 the fan but also if you need more of glenn um what's wrong with you I would like to welcome Superbook as an official partner of Glenn Clark Radio. Very excited about uh, specific offers that we are going to have for you with Superbook. In fact, 
I'll go ahead and tell you one that's going to be going live today. If you use the code GlennClark23, now you have to know how to spell my name, and I would like to think that if you're here, you know how to do that. G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K, GlennClark23. If you use that code, you get a $250 first bet bonus from Superbook. So they'll match your first bet, win or lose, win or lose up to $250. Wow. Glenn Clark 23 again is the code. Payout is made as a 25% of subsequent bets until the amount is used up. So um nice. it, yeah. it's a great offer. And if, and if you use uh, code Griffin Bass uh 20 you'll 23, get, uh, you'll get $251 no, actually. No, 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 let's, let's not do that. Let's not do that. We're introducing a new sponsor and a new code. Let's not let's not do that. I appreciate where your head's at, but let's not do that. Um Glenn Clark 23 is that code Superbook, of course, uh official partner of the Orioles and uh you see the Superbook uh restaurant and bar now out in the on Utah Street. Happy to have them on board, and we're going to be uh, getting more involved with Superbook in the coming weeks and months, and I am very excited about that. Good to have them aboard. Let's uh, let's do uh, let's do uh, this little thing, huh? Let's do this. This week in the rest of baseball. This week in the rest of baseball is brought to you by the print issue of Pressbox, which is still available for another couple of weeks, but not much longer, and it's already gone in a lot of places. It's the uh, special issue celebrating the life and legacy of Tony Saragusa. I picked up my own a few weeks ago. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Grant. You're and welcome. if you haven't gotten yours, it's time to go get it. Get to your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of those hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Read it all, pressboxonline.com. Grant DeVivo, what else is happening in the world of baseball? Well, I don't know how you can't watch the Orioles right now, but if you want to watch some other baseball, keep an eye on some intra-division games happening this week. That could be huge in the wild card picture later on, divisional picture. Phillies and Marlins start today a four-game series. Uh, Diamondbacks and Giants are also playing today. And then you get the Reds and Cubs on hand today. And, and all of them in the NL wild card race, NL divisional race. The Reds, of course, where are we at? The Reds. Mm-hmm. You got the Cubs that are what, three games out of the wall of the uh, wall card, and oh, the okay. Reds, of course, at the top of the division. So, uh, in terms of divisional, the Cubs are four games behind, but that's going to be a key series determining how that plays out the rest of the year. Who can creep back in? Can the Reds pull away? In terms of the Giants and Diamondbacks, well, of course, we know Arizona has been slumping horribly. They had a really red hot start to the year. They're two and eight in their last ten games. The Giants are climbing back in the wild card race. They have a game advantage at the top spot. So can Arizona pull back in? They're a game out of the wild card. So between them, these two, this this series, that's going to be huge. They're a game out of the two. wild card, Arizona. Yep. Yeah, out fell, of the last wild card. Yeah. Fell back a little. Bad. I fell off as strong, but yeah. I didn't. I did not realize that. A two and eight in their that. last ten is not going to help their case. No, it certainly is not going to. Um, look, you know, these this is this is August, right? Well, it will be obviously tomorrow. Um, this is August. The games start to come into focus out. more significantly, and there's no football yet. So, like, oh, yeah. this is kind of the time that it met. That's the unfortunate part is when, like, in September, there's enough teams that are completely out of it that have just come. Cities have totally stopped caring. We know a thing or two about that here mm. in Baltimore. We went through it, and uh-huh. football starts, and so like these these games, or these series that should be bigger, 
just don't have the same juice because of those reasons. Right. Where right now the entire focus of the uh, sporting world, there's nothing. What what else would you be thinking about? I mean, the women's World Cup, but they playing that match at 3 a.m. Wrestling, yeah, not. Um, Great timing. 3 a.m. Why are they? I know. Like 3 a.m. It, it could have been like 6 a.m. could have been, been 7 a.m. I mean, you, they, they're playing it in Australia. That's the oh, way it goes. The they get to set, yeah, the, they get to set times. It's the way it is. It stinks. But I think if they win the group, they would play on Saturday night at like a reasonable oh, okay. time. But it's not a certainty they're going to win the group either. No. Because I mean, the draw no, with yeah. Netherlands. It's just... This should be when like baseball should be at center stage yep, and all these series height. should matter the most. And these series so. are going to matter. I want to see that Marlins Phillies Baltimore, series. Baltimore Toronto matters a great deal. You know, there's a lot going on. That Marlins Phillies series is going to be huge. Philly is I'm half a game skeptical out. about the Marlins at this point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm skeptical that, that that's just kind of. I mean, they they had that long losing streak to start the second half, and I I just kind of think somebody's got to catch up to them. The wind is out of the sails uh, at this point, and it's just sort of a matter of time before they're kind of out of the mix. Yeah. I mean, it was a good run while it happened. That was kind and of look. A I mean, they, yeah. they certainly could change that. They could. But I just don't. Uh, well, last, don't, I don't. Know. I don't see it. Yeah. What else? Uh, we might have touched on it earlier. The Angels are going to make a run. Uh, they're 55 and 51 in the AL West right now, and four games out of a American League wildcard spot. Uh, it was reported by the t- uh, team official who told Jeff Fletcher of the Orange County Register that uh, Art, the general manager, is committed to making a run this season, along with having you know, Angels fans see Otani through September. Hence, that first indicator of their run, they're going to keep Otani. Yeah. And then the second indicator of this playoff push. They started they, buying, right. Giolito Lopez, and reported yesterday by MLB.com's Mark Feinsand. Uh, I hope I got that correct. Randall Gritchick and CJ Crone are in. Two right. powerhouse hitters. Again, that indicated that they're I'm buying. About powerhouse. I'm not sure. Maybe Crone. Crone is. Well, yeah. CJ Crone in Colorado looks yes, good. Gritchick, not so much anymore. Um, it's interesting because I've heard a lot, you know, as that's been discussed about the Angels. In the future. Well, more fearing that Shohei Otani leaving town would have hurt their chances of getting him back. Right that once he was gone, the thought was he was gone. Yeah. Which doesn't mean that them keeping him around guarantees that he'll be back as much as it's, like, if there's a 30% chance one way, we feel that's better than a 2% chance the other way. Yeah. And I'm just making up numbers. There's nothing scientific about that. But it's, it is interesting to me that they've made that decision with that kind of being back of mind within 24 hours too and here's what the athletics jim bowden said about that mm-hmm. he he contrasts this if the angels don't make the playoffs they'll have set their franchise back at least three or four years this is their opportunity to build for the future i think they've made a huge long-term mistake and if they resign them then, then maybe right. if, if they him, if they resign them then, they then it, it certainly changes although you know as is going to be pointed out by everyone if they resign a guy that's never been to the playoffs then you know yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> What what really how, does how it mean? How many guys on that team have been to the playoffs? Not uh, correct. So Rendon's one of the World Series. I'm I'm in a very guess. I'm in a very difficult spot. Like if yeah, I if so I cared I. about the Angels, if I was doing the show in Anaheim, I I don't know I don't know what I what would do say. Do? I don't I, know because I feel like you'd be almost numb to it at this point, right? right? Like what? I think there'd what be a, the a question of what difference does it make? What it is that you do? 
What difference does it make? You bring in all these veteran pieces, and does it still get the job done? I don't know. They haven't proven it so far. But. I I am of the belief that they are better off having Shohei Otani than they are not having Shohei Otani. If oh, they, yeah. for whatever reason, in conversations, believe that the difference in Shohei Otani being a part of it moving forward was going to be the decision that they made here then I can understand that decision. The point that Jim Bowden's making is that you had the opportunity to fleece someone. Yes. You had the opportunity to get four pieces moving yeah, forward. Minimum at least. Now, that was never going to be the case in Baltimore. It was never going to be that you were going to get Jackson. Like that, you weren't doing that. So I don't know what that price ultimately would have been. And I understand his point. But ultimately, I would still prefer to have Shohei Otani. Mm-hmm. Like I, you can't, can't win with prospect that. your way to making up for the mm-hmm. most incredible player perhaps in the history of Absolutely. baseball. Now their their shortcomings elsewhere, I get, and they're real, and they got to address that. That's a different conversation. But you can't prospect your way to Shohei Otani. Yeah, it cannot be done. So if they had information that it was going to impact their ability to sign him if they had traded him, then I understand that measurement plus they're just close enough and all of that in making a decision. I I think it's justifiable, but I it would be hard for me to feel strongly about it one way or the other it's if a I was in spot. Anaheim, yeah. if I cared. All right, and what else? Uh, before moving on to that, I just want to send my best wishes to Taylor Ward, who's just oh, yeah, landed on the IL, looking, yeah. 92 mile power sinker to the face, yeah. and I've I've been have I've had my fair share of balls to the face before, but nothing like that. And um, best wishes to him and his recovery because yep. that's he's got facial fractures and everything, so I'm really sorry to hear that. Um, to the final sec part of my segment though, uh, Bartolo. Did you guys know the Astros don't have a single top 100 prospect in baseball? That's really, they don't have one. John Hammond just brought that up. Many teams are showing wow. interest in Justin Verlander. The Astros are one of those teams. I, it's funny. I brought when I talked to Bob Nightingale yesterday. I brought this up. I'm like, I've just kind of made peace with like the way the conversation has been is if Verlander is going to get dealt, it's going to be the Astros, right? Like just because of his relationships there, and and it's a cheap game like, too. and because he's got a no trade clause that he would essentially say, Give, send me back to Houston or don't you know nowhere else, or don't do it at all, and. I did not realize they don't have a top 100 prospect. Wow. Bob Nightingale convinced me that the Dodgers would be in the, the conversation and that he could see Verlander waving his okay, no-trade clause. Yeah. Like, why why sign with the Mets if you wouldn't be willing to play for the Dodgers, right? Like, what what difference is there? Are you asking much giving well, up, like, Drew Gilbert or Ryan Clifford, one of those guys? No, not a lot at all. Well, I don't, no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about yeah. the, for him waving his no-trade no, no clause. Yeah. Why, w- why would There's he like have agreed? Two or three teams. Yeah. Why would he have agreed to join the Mets if he was going to block a trade to the Dodgers? Right? Like, sure, that makes sense. And I believe they, they he was asked about it after the game yesterday, and he kind of made it abundantly clear, like, I want to be here, but yeah, I'll let them trade me too. <laughs> and Bob Nightingale was trying to sell me on Baltimore, like, dude, you know, he's from Virginia, like. He, he might have a relationship with Mike Elias and yeah. some Sigmaidel, like you know, who knows? He could think that it'd be special to be a part of, of, of finishing this yeah. the way that it was 35. in Houston. Like, yeah. God damn! 
So I, just, I didn't know they didn't, they didn't have a sing they don't have a single top 100 prospect. Yeah. So maybe yeah. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah. All right. What else? Uh, Bartola Colon is officially retiring. Oh. I mean, there were speculations about it, but now it's been confirmed. I, is that by Hector is, Gomez? Okay. He's done. Fifty well, years old. I mean, he's, he's done. been done. He's done. <laughs> right. He's, he's been done, but it's official. And the Mets will have their Bartola Colon retirement ceremony on September seventeenth. Just an entertaining player. Maybe yeah, not a yeah. Hall of Fame career. No, but certainly not a Hall of Fame career. Well, there's no debate about that. But yes, he was one of the fame. more interesting and compelling baseball players Just of a funny. generation. Um, the difficult part is, isn't there some like uncomfortable stuff with Bartolo Colon? Like, isn't there? I don't know. I the only thing I, I don't want to say it's like is, he hasn't pitched since 2008. It's hilarious that he's only now retiring five years after he last pitched. The only thing I remember with Bartolo Colon is he got a PED suspension. That's about no, it. No, there was a family issue of some sort. Okay. Yeah. He had, That's uh, not good. Uh, in 2016, he had a, it came out that he had a secret family. Oh yeah, he was sued by. I'm reading that now. Yeah. Uh, Someone he was sued by a woman. two secret love children of the woman while married to his devoted oh, wife of 21 okay. years. So he was sued for child support and. I mean, look, that's right. cer- uh, now this is more problematic. That part of it, like, not great, but I'm not gonna judge a man or try to bring a man down. Right. Like, that's 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 their business. But then the 42 year old hurler has been dragged into Manhattan court by Alexandra Santos, who claims the seven million dollar a year player is a deadbeat dad who failed to pay child support for their elementary school age kids. Yet that not cool. Not good. Not okay. Mm. Okay, not saying the first part is okay, but like you know, right? Man, everybody's got personal things. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna wave into that. If you are not showing up as a father and you're not paying child support, then I can't cel- I can't yeah. celebrate you. I just no. can't. Like I, I can't, didn't. I didn't know I that about him. No. Look, maybe there's more to the story. Maybe he's caught up. This is a story from twenty. Was it sixteen? Yeah, seven yeah. years ago. So yeah. I will hope that Bartolo Colon has changed yeah. and has taken his responsibilities and all's good. But I do remember it was uncomfortable. It yeah. was not okay. How I missed that, I have no eh, it's, it's It's what it is. All right, very good. Thank you, Grant. You're welcome. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Orioles did beat the Yankees in a pretty dominant fashion last night they struck out the Yankees 18 times which is the most strikeouts uh, the Yankees have ever had against the Orioles in uh, in the history the of the series strikeouts the Orioles have thrown as a team in a game ever and, yeah ever and that was the next one 18 strikeouts is the most in a nine inning game in franchise history for the Orioles uh, and it also marked the first time since 2017 in which the first six Orioles batters scored to start the game uh, that was July eighteenth, twenty seventeen. They beat uh, the yeah. I don't. Nah. I don't remember. <laughs> trying to name the six guys that scored. Th- this lineup is funny. Though. I think well, Chris Davis was hurt, wasn't he? No, Chris Davis was playing. He, he had six RBIs actually in this game. Oh really? In twenty seventeen. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, the Hunsu Kim, Johnny G of uh, well, oh, He didn't start, but okay. he came. I'm looking at the guys Hansu that came Kim. off the bench. Caleb Joseph. Okay. Wellington Castillo was catching. Okay. Uh, Ruben Dejada. Was playing shortstop. I don't remember <laughs> Ruben Tejada at all. Yep. Not a single memory of Ruben Tejada. Uh, Derek Lewis knocked out Marcos Rogier de Lima in the first round uh, at UFC uh, 291. He can't has retaken the most knockouts in. You can't uh, keep it in your pants. No, I can't. Yeah. You just can't. 
he claims sole possession of the UFC, re- reclaimed sole possession of the UFC knockout. Congratulations. <laughs> We're all very proud. <laughs> Uh, and his start last week, uh, Spencer Strider reached 250 career innings pitched. Uh, he has 390 strikeouts, which ties him for oh the sixth gosh. most in MLB history in his first 250 innings pitched. Can you try to name the six guys with more strikeouts in, in their, their first? In their first. They are all relievers. In their first how many? Oh 250 gosh. innings. 250, and they're all relievers? They're all active. What? Or yeah, yeah, they're all. Well, actually, one is not active. A role is Chapman. A role is Chapman. Is Josh is Hader one of, one of them? Josh Hader is one of them. Did he come up as a? I thought he had a short stint as a starter, starter when he first came up. That's a little surprising that he's on that. Because the Orioles yeah. developed I mean, him as a starter. Well, I remember that, but I thought book, he, I thought yeah. when he came up that he was still. Uh, so Felix Batista. Not Felix Batista. He's hasn't re- he, he hasn't gotten to two hundred fifty. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're all active. Mm-hmm. This Except guy, this guy better be active. Ken yeah, there's one that's not active. Jansen. Yes, Kenley Jansen. Uh, can I guess the non-active player? Go for it. Joe Nathan. Not Joe Nathan. How about... A little older. How about... Trevor Hoffman. Not Trevor Hoffman. Wow. little older reliever. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rivera? Uh, not Mo. Right, I'm back. I'm, he's, uh, Craig Kimbrell. Uh, Craig Kimbrell is, is one of them. You have okay. So the other guy is not. I thought he was active. He was. He's out of the league since 2021. And he was. So there's, there's how many? All right, we got four. Yes. The two. other, both of the other two guys are, are, not, are active. not active. One only since 2021. Not active since 2021. 2021. Not active. Um, he's a Yankee. Oh, uh, he was a Yankee. Yeah, was a Yankee. Sorry, he was a Yankee in 2020. I got it, Dylan Batances. It is Dylan Batances. Oh, wow. I know. It was a, wow, it was, he's, a, he's an interesting one on this list. Dylan Batances. I definitely didn't think he was active. No, I didn't. Yeah, I, he, I thought it would have been longer gosh. than 2021 of a man. Yeah. Well, he had. Yeah, he had a weird. Um. Okay, and then a one that was older. Goose Gossage. Not Goose Gossage. Not that old. Not that old. Um. He does have 400 career saves though. Eric Gagne. Not. Not Gagne. Mm. John Franco. Oh, not John Franco. K Rod. Not K Rod. He have 400 saves. Fernando Rodney. Not Fernando Rodney. He is not a Hall of Famer. I'm going to say this by Rodney. You guys were trying to figure out Immaculate Grid last week with Rays and Mariners and like 300 saves. That was the guy. Oh, it was Fernando Rodney. Rodney's the and only I didn't guy say though. anything because I didn't want to blow it for you guys, but that was him. Brian Wilson. Not Brian Wilson. He was exciting. Kapool, yeah. <laughs> Papelbon. Not Papelbon. The hell? Yeah. <laughs> Rick uh, Aguilera. No, not Rick Aguilera. Uh, you know, he's Astros in the late 90s. Billy, no. Yeah. Go I ahead, was about finish. to say, Billy Wagner? Billy Wagner. Uh, Billy Wagner is the associate. only other one on this list. I mean, he came up with the Astros. Yeah, I just don't associate him with the Astros the same way. Because, yeah, I do. All right, very good. Yeah, so Spencer Strider, the only very non good. like at least non traditional Congratulations. Starter. We yeah. are all we're all very proud. <laughs> <laughs> Big strikeout guy. What we're doing here. All right, Tubular is brought to you today by pressboxonline.com slash offers. Again, make sure you get in there. $150 in bonus bets from DraftKings and the other great offers. Again, pressboxonline.com slash offers. Here's what's coming up tonight. Orioles Jays first game of a four game set on Masson, Kyle Gibson, Chris Bassett at seven. 
If you happen to live in the Tampa or New York markets, you can watch it on MLB Network. And in the entire country, it's the free game on MLB.tv. So no matter where you are, you can watch it there. As we mentioned, Women's World Cup, overnight tonight into tomorrow, USA taking on Portugal. They have to... Winner it's draw, compli- right? It's com- yeah, they they complicated because um, hang on a second, I'm gonna pull up the group standings. I think it's four to four. Like they both. Yes, it's four. Yeah, it points wise. Four. I'm just trying to make sure that I have the. Hang on a second, let me pull up the group. So uh, yes, they the U.S. and Netherlands both have four points. Portugal has three points, right? So the USA mm-hmm. can't let Portugal jump. Right. So it's not just about advancing though. It's about trying to win the group. the group. Yeah. And that is far more complicated because the Netherlands gets to play Vietnam. And right now, the U.S. goal differential is only three. The Netherlands is one. So if the Netherlands were to win Trounce by three, Vietnam, were they yeah. were to win, or even by 3 0 tonight, while the U.S. were to tie um, Portugal, the U.S. would move on, but would not win the group. So complicated. They'd be well served to win this match. Mm-hmm. They'd be well served to go ahead and get a win and and maybe buy a couple of goals. That'd be nice yeah. in order to uh, not leave anything to chance as far as winning the group is concerned. Because it's also possible that the Netherlands could beat Vietnam by six or something like yeah. that. And Ken, then, I mean, like when, when Ken was here last week, he was talking. Vietnam, just the way they sit back, they're not the type of team. It's where difficult, right? Yes. Like like they yeah. you, clearly in the U.S. match, like they were yeah. dominating, but they just it, were not able to get a ton of goals scored. Right. So. We'll see, but that's overnight, 3 a.m. on Fox, and I will not be. I I love it. I love the world. I thought you were gonna live tweet. What? No, we'll not be doing that. Sorry, we got an event tonight, and like I won't be. Like there was some part of me when there's a big Australian Open match, uh, like the like- year that the finals were like late in their careers, the last one that Serena won when she faced Venus, and then the other final was uh, Federer and Nadal. I definitely woke up for both of those. Like, I did the bit where I went to bed, woke up, watched the whole thing. And, like, when they first announced the schedule for the World Cup, I was like, maybe I could do that. But then I forgot that uh, there's this Maryland football event tonight, and I was like, I'm not going to get to bed. And so just not going to happen. Not going to be the case. Uh, other World Cup, again, uh, the, that match at the same time, Vietnam-Netherlands, 3 a.m. on Fox Sports 1. Hello, who's calling? Oh, we'll find out do in a second. Oh, okay. Uh, Mass and two Nationals Brewers are seven. Rays Yankees is seven on MLB Network. Red Sox Mariners at eleven. ESPN Plus Phillies Marlins six forty. Angels Braves is seven twenty. ESPN and ESPN two for coverage of the basketball tournament quarterfinals tonight. Tennis Channel. The uh, event gets underway down in D.C. The City Open, uh, both ATP and WTA Tour event. Are you gonna be able to make it down? I really want to. I don't know yet. I feel bad. My guy Ron and Owings Mills always goes every year, and I've gone and I've hooked up, linked up with him down there. And I'd like to do that. I just don't know if it's going to work out for me to get a trip down there. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that fingers crossed. But they've actually sold a boatload of tickets uh, this year. We already be down there tonight, and, so. and I won't be in DC. Oh, no, okay, yeah. I will well, not be there. Oh yeah. Um, I the shame is I forgot. I like put in for a media credential a couple weeks ago, and then I forgot to respond to an email that they sent me. And so now it's like, do I? I don't really because I'm not really doing any actual coverage. I'm just going because I want to go. So I don't want to be that guy now today. Like, hey, I'm still in, right? Like, I don't. So I do a special uh, podcast. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I would like to see Francis though. That would be really cool to see him. I would have to look at the schedule and figure out uh, how that would work out. 
Uh, but that's on Tennis Channel. The USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw at 8. Anything non-sports? Um, Bachelorette, American Ninja Warrior, uh, and on Peacock, our boy, The American Nightmare, Becoming Cody Rhodes. Ah, Documentary yes. is on, uh, on Peacock. That's, yes. out, that's out today. Uh, and it's the Cruel Summer Season 2 finale on Hulu. Ooh, I do like that. I do like... No, I don't. No, all right. <laughs> not at all. Some people do. Not, not at all. All right, uh, very good. Thanks today to John Smoltz. That was killer. Thanks to Steve Johnson. Thanks to Caleb Joseph and Jeremy Kahn. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God, it's so good. ...tab at glennclarkradio.com. Um, tomorrow? Tito Lindrum. Oh, we'll continue our celebration of the 83 World Series, 40th anniversary... Uh, of course, Tito Landrum famously hit the, uh, the most unexpected home run maybe in Orioles history. The unlikeliest hero, perhaps, in Orioles history from the 83 ALCS, Tito Landrum, will join us tomorrow and stuff and things. Stuff, stuff and things. things. Right. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Visit Baltimore, Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, Glory Days Grill, Dorchester County, the Bowie Bay Sox, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Superbook, the Baltimore Orioles, Birdland Sports, Easy Pass MD, Washington County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Grant at G DeVivo 20? 20? You got to flip. 20 G DeVivo. 20 G DeVivo. Yeah. So close. 20 G D E V I V O. Give him a follow there. At uh, Griffin underscore Bass is how you follow him. At Glenn Clark Radio for us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Have a great Monday night. Go, Birds. Duke sucks.